Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we would hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the gothic romance by one of the most awarded horror directors of all time, Crimson Peak. I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Whoever had Tom Hiddleston as Percy Shelley's romantic stand-in? fucking nailed it (laughs) yeah uh next up my frequent collaborator comics artist and certified moth aficionado emily martin how are you tonight emily um i mean if we're going between shelly and austin i suppose it's better to die a widow damn yeah i want that like (laughs) embroiled on something Embroiled? Embroiled or embroidered? Needlepoint embroiled. (laughs) Just (laughs) just marinated. And And our special guest tonight, writer, artist, and my comics wife, Carrie Tupper. How are you tonight, Carrie? I'm doing great. And I actually embroider for a living, not a living, but for a side thing, for hobbies. And you know what? Maybe I can make that happen. And then I will make sure that every needle point going in is filled with nice. Embroil it with spite. I will embroil it in spite, liquefied spite. And it will look like red clay. You're our personal Judy Dench. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my favorite stories about Judy Dench, just doing, you know, needlework of dirty words on pillows. Like, love her. Uh, a little bit about the movie before we start. It is called Crimson Peak. It is directed by Guillermo del Toro. It is written by Guillermo del Toro and Matthew Robbins, who you may have seen his, Matthew Robbins' work on Close Encounters of the Third Kind or Batteries Not Included or Dragon Slayer or Mimic or Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Uh, Guillermo del Toro is, you know, he's done a lot of very popular stuff in the last couple of years, including the movie about sexy mermen. Um, and stars... Uh, Mia Wasikowska, Jessica Chastain, Tom Hiddleston, Charlie Hunnam, and Doug Jones. Of um, course. Doug Jones in the role of so-and-so's mom. Um, just a real Every interesting ghost. credits. Yeah. Of course. Of course he is. Yeah, and in the what it's I about. I love Doug Jones. Great. <laughs> now, as for what it's about, according to IMDb, in the aftermath of a family tragedy, an aspiring author is torn between love love of her childhood friend and the temptation of a mysterious outsider trying to escape the ghosts of her past she is swept away to a house that breathes bleeds and remembers. the ghost is a metaphor the ghost is a metaphor important yeah <laughs> as we'll establish guys would you say that this movie is uh spoopy as in not scary spooky as in a little scary terrifying as in very scary or generally existentially disconcerting if I'm in the late 19th century, definitely existentially terrifying. Um, I'm going to go between spooky and existentially disconcerting just because of how little Tom Hiddleston takes no for an answer um, initially. But um, aesthetically, this movie is thoroughly and satisfyingly spooky. Um, thank you, Doug Jones. So yeah, I, I, I definitely... Oh, Sorry. Sorry. Um, I would agree that um, while if you're looking for the jump scare you out of your pants type of stuff, that is, this is almost riding that 
that really fine line and Spence, if that makes any sense. Like the closest thing I can think of that reminds me of how I felt watching was like, if you took the ring, the movie, the ring, and you just like knocked it. And that's where I feel like. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, can, I can pick that to up. Try to not go too deep into spoilers before section. I'm trying this time. <laughs> Normally I don't. Um, one, and I'm not so sure if you, like, it's something I could see a lot of people arguing is a feature of it. Uh, but I think just a thing that is a thing about the movie is that the source and focus of all its creepiest, spookiest, most, like, scariest moments all end up being misdirects that aren't actually all that relevant to the plot. I mean, it's it's an aesthetic film. Yeah, 100%. it is absolutely aesthetic. And there's... And- Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. And there's a line straight up in the movie where the main character says, no, there's ghosts in it, but it's not a ghost story. <laughs> it's a metaphor. And I can, al- I can already feel the tweets like defending that, but it's still like it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of the movie where we're supposed to be scared of something that isn't actually threatening in mm-hmm. the end. Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, we've already made a vague comparison to Hamlet in there, and I think it is a little reminiscent of Hamlet in that the ghosts aren't the scary part of the story. Like the, the ghosts are, you know, dressing in the story. Uh, mm-hmm. What there are, what we should warn people about trigger wise in this, there is some gruesome death and murder. There is some serious gore, some intense gaslighting and grooming. Uh, there's uh, a few jump scares. There is head dog death. And I would argue dog, dog dies life. again, <laughs> again, because I can never fucking be happy on this podcast. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. The the dog's continued existence is almost sadder than the dog's death, but yeah. uh, man, there's also a lot of most mostly implied incest, but yeah. Um, what a missed opportunity for a ghost dog though. <laughs> had a ghost baby. Still yeah. Triggers for that. I mean, that's Didn't like it. Yeah. No. Didn't yeah, like it. That's yeah, baby death also. Yeah, uh, baby death. Not on screen baby death thankfully, but um yeah, but that's the end of the non-spoilery section. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie and you want to, this is a time to abandon ship and, and come back to us when you're you're ready. But we're going to jump into talking about what actually happens in this movie and uh, what <laughs> what we think of it overall. Um, but we will uh, we'll catch you on the other side. So we're going to jump in and talk about this film. Um, all right, guys. Anything anybody wants to talk about uh, off the top here? Hey. Remember the part of the movie where it had a really good off ramp to not be incest and then it veered right back onto incest <laughs> highway? Yeah. I mean, that I, was a choice. <laughs> they yeah. really doubled down on that one. They sure fucking did. <laughs> and, wow. not, like, and not in a craft legacy. Do you realize just how mind can, much mind control there is? Fucking, they knew exactly what it was and they were like, pedal to the fucking metal, baby. Yeah. yeah. I. <laughs> this this is a movie that I, I wonder who it's for a little bit because there is like it's really well made but did Game of Thrones do this did Game no. of Thrones make like incest weirdly culturally acceptable if you make it aesthetic enough <laughs> I think this was actually uh, started produ- started production way before Game of Thrones yeah. um, well I won't say that the books were out uh, so the uh, the so- books of A Song of An Ice and Fire were out, and I have no idea if uh, Guillermo 
Am I saying that right? Guillermo? Guillermo? Yeah, Guillermo. Two L's, Y. Guillermo. Okay. But yeah, I always feel like so up on pop culture and other stuff, I feel like he'd know about it. So maybe there was some idea of I don't know. I don't know. I just like the idea of Guillermo del Toro like on AO3 for like a Game of Thrones tags. Oh, you know that oh he my God. does. <laughs> right? You know that he does. Yeah, because of course he does. He winning movie about monster fucking. <laughs> you know he's all up in there. So I, the I get thing... a, I mean, as somebody who studied uh, like English literature in, in college and, you know, my adult life is all about literature. It, I really was waiting for this movie to do something else <laughs> other than what it did. Um, and it just like, it was a lot of the stuff towards the end of the movie just felt like it was on rails. Um, it was just a bloodier, more violent version of, I mean, there's obvious ties to like Jane Eyre in there. Um, yeah. And it, it's like, I, I felt very much like I had read this story and then I kept thinking like, oh, they're going to do a thing with this. Oh, they're going to, no, there's going to be something with this. Oh, this flip is going to come back to, and it just, it didn't. It, it played yeah. out very much kind of the the way it did. I just figured <laughs> it was going to. The yeah. look on my face when I realized the villain's plan was in actuality to revitalize a failing clay mine and was not in any way related to ghosts. Yeah. Like, again, an incredible plot twist that I did not see coming. I'm not sure it enhanced my enjoyment of the film. <laughs> the yeah, twist it's like, is there is no twist. It's like an untwist. It's it's the sprite of movies. Uh, you know, it, it almost feels like <laughs> for me, it feels like there was a point where the writers, like Gilmer, sat down probably with a script um, editor and they were talking because up to a certain point it feels like like you were saying jeremy like it feels like there's a a logical pr- and then it just goes off into the left field and you're just feels like something else entirely um so part of me almost wonders if if that's like like on one hand was that the but then on the other hand and like looking at what you're saying and a lot of being talking about you know just what his creative process was on this thought thing and the thoughts the story i mean they're pretty good for a a guy of his age trying to be somewhat progressive. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I think that there is a lot that the mark. But I also think it really doesn't hinder it, but sort of holds it in a certain space is the fact that this is a gothic romance. And so he's trying to pick ideas of, okay, I need to have like the architecture, the aesthetic, there has to be, you know, the really interesting and the romance sort of plot that revolves around it and then how that turns out to be the wildly horrifying thing that it is like this movie to me says a lot about what at least at that point trusting somebody putting all your trust into somebody because in many cases marriage is scary and for me in watching this I was sort of just like she put all Edith puts all of her trust in Thomas who's uh Loki uh Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Thank you. Thank you. Tom Hiddleston. Uh, Tom Hiddleston's character. She puts all of this stuff, you know, wrapped up into this simply because, and he's grooming her the whole time. And she puts so much trust in him. And like, to me, part of the, the fear of this movie, the scariness of it, isn't that the ghosts are there and it's creepy. It's that 
a lot of people watch this movie and don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think <laughs> part of the problem for me, I think, is that regardless of the actual quality of the characters, I'm going to take Tom Hiddleston over Charlie Hunnam 100% of the time. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and that's... thousand percent. That's, oh that my God, that's sexy. Yeah. Hiddleston right? is fucking fine. You could bounce a quarter off that ass. I know, so Amazing. like... I would just keep bouncing. <laughs> that's the thing, yeah. That's the thing is that the, the fact that you have Tom Hiddleston as this like, this is the, the um, romantic lead... And he is like he is covered in red flags. It should be called crimson flag because this fucking movie. <laughs> he is he everything he does is sus as fuck, and she is still like ooh he's British and he likes my words, and um not to this you know Edith bless your heart, you know I, I you felt finally for figured Edith, it out because. Huh? I fell for you because you have a family that's not encouraging your writing and then dashing stranger comes on and stuff or it's like complimenting it. Oh, that valid, that, that valid, that's some sweet, sweet validation her, that like, her. I feel for Edie. It is total red flags, but I just, I fell for her. Cause that's the thing is that her dad was all about her writing. Yeah. That her was dad was like one true. of the best characters. That's now true. everybody else was shitty. But um, except for Mc, the, the other guy, McMichael Hunky Face. But like he, and like yeah. Anyway, the guy Hunnam. from Pacific Rim, Charlie Hunnam reprising Char- his flawless American accent. <laughs> yeah, God, I, I fucking hate Charlie Hunnam's American accent. <laughs> it's just as bad as uh, oh, what's his face from Avatar and um. Sam Worthington? Yes, I think. it's just as bad as Sam Worthington's accent. <laughs> I, um, the greatest accent moment in film history is in the first Tomb Raider when Laura Croft, when Angelina Jolie is doing her terrible British accent to Daniel Craig's terrible American accent. That's that's kind of like like that's kind of beautiful though. Like there's a there's a certain beauty, like satirical beauty to that. It's a stopped clock, like being right on one of its two times a day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and speaking of speaking of Edith's dad, who's played by Jim Beaver, who God, I love this dude. He plays, you know, one of my favorite characters in Deadwood. Like he's just uh and he's Ellsworth in, in Deadwood and he's just like what a beard. This great this great kind of unassuming guy, you know, who who gives a kind of uninspired speech about America. Um, and, and at one point, I, I, was, like, I was rolling I my that. eyes so hard. Like we work off of the the whole idea of our our you know what was it the word I had to write. I wrote it down because I'm like, oh, I have the it fucking on here. Balls of you in America, oh, we, we bank, bank on, on effort, effort, not not privilege. privilege. And I'm the... just like, can I roll my eyes any harder? Like, yeah. that I'm sounds like, like oh, some stuff like. Jeff Bezos would say. Like, Look holy shit. Old white men in a circle sitting at this committee, and he's like, you're a soft little British boy, and, you know, I work from the ground up. I also have a bunch of black servants, but we're not going to talk about that. Oh, my. <laughs> Pretty much. Fucking um, God. Can I talk, though, uh, We re- or, real quick, about the spookiest, most otherworldly part of this whole movie, the hole in the house where before the snow starts, we just have infinite leaves falling through. 
There are no trees anywhere around this house. Thank you so much. I wrote this down on my notes because I was like, I'm so bothered by that because you, you know, see it. You know what? You know what? I don't care. No, don't it's a care. great effect. I think it's great aesthetic. I Maybe there are like, moths because there's movie, moths everywhere. This movie for me, from like, from the first scene where like, you know, baby Edith is being visited by her scary fucking dead mom. Uh, I was like, yeah, this is gorgeous. Like everything in this movie is beautiful, including yeah. the people for the most part. Like it's an aesthetic <laughs> you know. triumph. Oh yeah. Those sleeves are so poofy. Yeah, like I mean, we're I'm talking way at the end of the movie, but that like chase down the stairs when uh crazy ass Lucille is like coming after her with the knife and she's just she got looks like billowing. a ghost close yeah, behind flowing and shit the, the, this is actually interesting because they're uh the costume designer holly please tell me she won an oscar for this movie i don't think um i, I hope don't think this uh, movie deserves a lot of technical oscars it really does and one of the things that i love about it is so much of the aesthetic because that actually goes back into the whole idea of gothic the aesthetic of it is so vital to the genre and of itself like um when uh anyway when del toro was uh talking to the costume designer who, um yes, Kate Holly. and thank you <laughs> thank you Aaron. appreciate uh, uh, um emily i appreciate that um but anyway he like she kept coming to him with all of these costumes and he was like okay but how does it flow show me the fabric and she was showing him the fabric and he's like no more drama make it more drama and so he just kept coming back to her and saying i want it to look like air i want it to flow so I think by the end of it, like a normal thing, a normal sort of robe that she had using this much, you might look at five to 10 yards. And then by the end of it, she just- this Yeah, when she's flowing down the shirt, stairs, like yeah. the dress is taking up the whole stairs behind her. I and don't then, know like, how she did not trip. That, that outfit that Tom Hiddleston wears when they're out in the country for that scene, where it's just like black on top of black on top of black with his tiny black sunglasses. Oh I was God. just like, yes. I, fucking love this like, I had that yeah, i'm notes, laughing yes. at it but also i love it like, i know okay. it's like fucking gary oldman and in, in bram stoker's dracula yes, we're just like i had that in my whoa. notes and, and knowing how big a horror fan del toro is i kind of feel like that has to have been an intentional nod oh yeah like, there's no way that was just and he just happened to have used the same sunglasses as gary oldman and bram stoker's dracula i, I don't think they were quite the same glasses um I know I, I, Jeremy introduced me as a certified moth aficionado instead of a vampire aficionado. I think moths are more important for this film, but I will say as a vampire aficionado, I will say that I think my glasses. You know, I, I, I said a little bit about like, I, I don't really know like who this movie's for because the, I feel like the thing is like, it is a beautiful package. Like it is layer after layer of beautiful wrapping. Every scene is beautiful. There's all these like, props and things the tea set is gorgeous the ring is crazy the outfits everybody wears are amazing but it's like you go through layer after layer of this beautiful packaging and there's like a gift card inside um, <laughs> like, that's, that's what it felt like to me as i was like oh yeah. it's a gift card to uh, jane air outlets all right i can't tell if it's more trying to be a romance or a horror movie and i'm not sure it really works as either I think from the interviews that Guillermo did were he was he wrote it specifically as a romance 
mm-hmm. um, like a gothic romance, but it was marketed as a horror movie. Yeah. Um, because obviously. But even then, if I'm supposed to feel like, oh, the tragic love, sto- tragic doomed love story of Edie and Loki, why are you doubling down so hard on the incest? Yeah, like... <sighs> I feel like there was something else that was supposed to happen, but it was too much because I think it was initially supposed to be like a young adult kind of horror film, like a, like a young adult, um, you know, like it was, it was supposed to be like PG 13, but then Tom Hiddleston's butt came out and then they were like, Oh, whoops. Um, (laughs) But I mean, the sex scene is, is relatively explicit. I mean, for, for what it is for the context. Um, But uh, yeah um i I, like it feels like it's trying to be a young adult fantasy in the way that like a lot of um older writers try to like i want to take a crack at young adult fantasy and you know sometimes it hits and sometimes it misses um and in this case i feel like this movie is so laden with potential there's so many like little things that could have been something the ring feels like it's something but by the end, it's just like, it's just there so you can identify it in the picture. And you're like, oh, that's the ring. And uh, it was a mom's and she killed the mom and now she has the ring. Um, but it feels like it's something. And then, you know, there's the whole like exposition that uh, Charlie Hunnam's character gives about how like you can see ghosts in some images. And there's like that's all these. That's something like, I actually wrote down too. I kept yeah. waiting for the ghost to matter and they never did. Yeah, she yeah. just saw them. She saw I them, mean, but none of the red flags. Like, there's They're nothing kind of like your Greek chorus. I mean, there's so way. much yeah. of this movie that feels like from the time they get to the manor, there's so much of this that feels like Poe, and it feels like Fall of the House of Usher specifically. Yeah, but the house never falls. Like, right? It, it just never hits that supernatural element. It just keeps teasing it, and then people stab each other. <laughs> Like, yeah, like, and this house is literally falling apart. Yeah, like it's, it's all this clay shit's coming out everywhere. I don't know how the clay gets up into the walls and then comes down because it's coming from the ground, but then it's coming up, and I don't know. And like, there's leaves coming from the ceiling where there's no trees, and they the, their fucking ceiling is open. Tom Hiddleston doesn't know how many rooms are in this house, so obviously he didn't make his best effort to fucking take care of the house, despite what he says. So. And the house doesn't like I was expecting the house to sink because he talks about the house fucking sinking in the beginning and it never does. Like, how cool would it have been if like, you know, as she's walking away and the whole house like becomes like clay and blood and just goes, it's crazy know? that the house is still completely fine at the end of this. Yeah. I mean, the threat is just the human mon- human strength threat of Lucille. Yeah, and, and then yeah. she's still there. Just slightly yeah. more than Sorry human strength threat of seal, I would argue. Because uh, I I kept, specifically I kept waiting on there to be an explanation for how Lucille, a relatively wafy woman, uh, beat the living shit out of Jim Beaver. <laughs> like, just oh, really she... busted his head against that sink several times. Right? yeah like at no I point it was... could, did he could he like grab onto the sink and be like stop you're a small woman <laughs> like... i mean nothing gentle grows in the moors of blah 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 whatever whatever shire the lines we got there with like beautiful things are fragile 
close up as an ant devours a butterfly's eyeball. Yeah, I mean, they, there's not yeah, a lot at least of subtlety. kept yelling "why" in that section, like "why." <laughs> as did but I. Why? We'll get there because that that was one of the most cockamamie things I've ever heard about insects that this fucking Lucille was spouting. But um, I mean, wanna... I didn't know butterflies were solar powered, or that moths ate them. The answer is they're not. I feel like and there aren't not... enough butterflies to support the moths. Moths evolve better diets. Yeah, well, and also moths don't usually eat. I mean, sometimes they pollinate, but like usually moths, like they they emerge and they fuck and then they die. Um, and maybe that in and of itself has something to do with the plot. Maybe that's a metaphor. I don't know, but they sure certainly don't eat butterflies. Some wasps eat butterfly larvae. They could have had wasps. I mean, shit. The wasps would be all up in that house making nests but they went with moths because it's more gothic and i can't i can't yeah, argue I, I'm, I'm okay with that i'm okay with the choice to focus on the aesthetic yeah sure man i mean obviously it's the 19th century lucille doesn't know anything about science that's fine do they ever explain how ghosts are able to time travel they're ghosts well how would it well i kept expecting travel i kept expecting some kind of payoff with the mother ghost returning and we get some kind of time loop where she warns her, but nope, mom just knew from the future. I was oh, about just... the Crimson Peak. The whole, yeah. the whole prophecy about things. Crimson Peak, really, that irritated me because I feel like if I'm that, if I'm Edith, and my mom appears to me when I'm ten and is like, "Hey, look out for the Crimson Peak." I am looking for Crimson Peaks everywhere. Right. I am just, <laughs> just searching. Though I am searching writer. for those words in any he, possible way, and she is yeah, looking, I'd be like, I'm looking for a mountain. Referencing every single thing that came across, you know. Like, I'm looking for a mountain, not the flattest fucking part of England. Still, I mean, the but it's like, like if I met a mysterious dude that came that kept showing up and being like, hey, hey, I'm a mysterious dude and I love you and your writing's good and all this kind of stuff, even though I haven't read it, um, I would be like, hey, just real quick, do you know anything about Crimson Peak? Like, do, do those words, are they, do they have any significance to you? And if he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, then she's like, cool. And then, you know, like, who knows if he would have said this, you know, told her the truth at that point. But, um, you know, I mean, like, if I was her, everybody that I met, I'd be like, so first of all, Crimson Peak, is it a period thing? I don't know. <laughs> I was just waiting for the, the scene later on in the movie where she was like, I was spelling it P-E-E-K. <laughs> ah, it never occurred to me that it was a mountain. Well, then, but then, like, everything, because, okay, everything red. Okay, so, recap. <laughs> I'm going to go into it. Okay. Um, You know, the, we start out, ghosts are real. She's, we have the, the, um, the monologue. Edith is monologuing about how ghosts are real, and she saw that her first ghost was the ghost of her mother, who had died of black cholera when Edith was 10, and the mom showed up and with their cool little, like, spooky hands. All the ghosts are very scary. Everyone ends up a creepy ghost, except for Tom Hiddleston, who gets to be a sexy. I mean, he's still a little bit creepy, but he's mostly. Yeah, but it's in that CW, oh, he's so creepy, but more bangable way. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, that's how so... Tom Hiddleston does everything. Yeah, he's that's true. God, but more bangable, you know? Thor is pretty fucking bangable. They're <laughs> all bangable. That's a hot ass Sorry, franchise. He's a he's a frost giant, but more bangable. 
there you go he's a Jotun. he's a bangable because the, the Jotuns. i mean maybe i would but like he's he is the sexiest Jotun. not to cast where the fugliest person is carl urban who is gorgeous <laughs> right okay oh yeah okay that's right oh my god anyway wow um anyway mom ghost mom shows up and says beware of crimson peak and uh it's, it's not not it, helpful not even not a little helpful. bit helpful mom and uh, it's not about periods because, well, we've told you now, but then also she's when, she, when Edith is 24 and hopefully past that stage of her life, um, or maybe, I mean, who knows, beware of Crimson Peak. Don't be afraid of your period though. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, 10 years later, when she's 24, she is um, a writer and she's not like the other girls um, because she's 24 and unmarried. And, um, her dad is also that very, very wealthy head of a construction company. Um, so, she's you know, a Jane Austen heroine. Yeah, she is. She is indeed. Um, and, uh, her initial romantic interest, um, Ow. Charlie Hunnam as our Dr. Hunky McMichael, um is an ophthalmologist and he an entirely reasonable guy he's been away at doctor camp learning how to be a detective yeah be an ophthalmologist i don't know if i spelled that right i i love (laughs) that we have a scene being like ah you read sherlock holmes you must be a detective and then he gets all bad he's like no and this was the whole rest of the fucking movie being like we I'm a detective. Yeah, he's all. I'm gonna detect now, and they're like, "I thought you were an ophthalmologist or whatever that is." He was fucking. He's been waiting his whole goddamn life for her to be kidnapped. He was. Yeah, he was like waiting for the chance that he could like fucking discover shit. Um, I gotta say, I'm fucking flabbergasted that he survived this movie, and I uh, guess it's so he can be like the good romantic lead, but fucking. He had Dick Halloran in The Shining written all over him when he shows oh, up. Oh, I know, I know. Oh, that's that was bullshit too. But like, anyway, the the fact that Dick Halloran did not survive and this guy did, right? Bullshit. But you know what, Stanley Kubrick, you're dead. Um, <laughs> so, so who won now? Stephen <laughs> King, Stephen King, I think. I'm pretty I, sure Stephen King won. I feel like the problem with McMichael is. There is an implied history between him and Edith, but we don't actually see any of that history. We come in on him being like, oh, I'm back from doctor school. And his mother being like, I hate this oh, girl. <laughs> like, yeah. And he doesn't his do mo- anything about it. And then like, we're supposed to be like, oh, poor McMichael. He is so love struck. And it's like, is he though? Was he? He's well. He's reasonable about it. Like he's pissed off with the Don that Tom Hiddleston takes like fucking takes her off, or whatever. But he's like, sure, I guess. I mean, I'd like to detect some things, but I'm gonna resp- like that's the thing is when her dad dies and she's like, don't touch my dad. I'm I'm in shock. Blah blah blah. She's like, he's like, okay, okay. You know, he's like a reasonable guy. That was a um, very emotionally affecting scene. I thought when she yeah, goes to identify her dad's body. Yeah. Especially when she's like listing things about him. Yeah. About how he turns months yeah. and how he's always worried about his, you know, he doesn't want people to think that he's old. And it's just like, I don't know. Like, I haven't been that that as close um, to death on that, that upsetting of a scale. But strange when you have someone die. The idea that they're gone doesn't necessarily always stick. It's sort mm-hmm. of like you don't talk to them, talk about them in the past mm-hmm. for a little while. 
And just the fact that she immediately started, she's still talking about him. He's still alive and he's still there and she's going to go home and he's going to be there, even though the body's right there like that. That was very effective job and that, that shock beautifully. Yeah. I thought that was a very well-written scene and you know, that being the, the force of that scene um, and how, you know, she, that reaction um is enough for for uh dr mcmichael to be like okay you know i'm not gonna because he uh, immediately dr mcmichael is something's up um he is but, no chip mcmichael oh no no he chip is, whatsoever he is the anti-chip um he he is an active he, again he is an active detective to figure out what is going on yeah um he can see red flags and that's, that's um, the one thing i like about mcmichael is from the beginning he's like here's a possible explanation for you seeing ghosts. Like, I definitely believe that you see ghosts and here's an idea of how that might work rather than like ghosts. What a silly girl, uh, which other than like, you honestly, know, that also culturally checks out. Like they fucking loved ghosts in the like 1890s. Oh yeah. Yes, they, they could not get enough of ghosts. Back There's then. some spiritualish bullshit going on everywhere. What uh, I love is that this so much of the beginning of this movie is, set in the pristine sexy victorian town of buffalo, buffalo. <laughs> New <York>. <laughs> <laughs> well it's this one one building and then everything else is mud so i just think it's like this one building because dad doesn't even shower at home he goes to the club to to take a shower and listens to gramophone in the shower that's probably not good for them. um the yeah, glory so- days of the country club yeah, I guess when you could shower and be waited on by another a- industry, millennials are killing. You're fucking welcome. Um, I think it's dead. Um, gramophone in the in the country club. Anyway, so um, yeah, uh, Doctor Mrs. McMichael, um, Hunky's mom. Does he have a first name? His name is Alan. Alan. Okay. Alan. I'm so. I'm still calling him Hunky. No, I think that's a great name. Yeah. Okay. Hunky uh, Hunnam. Yeah, they all got the alliteration. Hunky Hunnam. I mean, he's okay. Um, he's not Tom Hiddleston, but who is Tom Hiddleston? No, he's, not, is... he's definitely hunkier than Hiddleston. Yeah, he's not, I mean, he's not as sexy as Hiddleston, but you know, hunkier is its own set of metrics. He does have color in his face, which is one step up of Tom Hiddleston in this movie. Um, anyway. So uh, technically a doctor, he would be a himbo. Oh yeah. He's, he's, he got some himbo esque kind of stuff going on. I mean, he's like a, he's got, he's himbo esque. I mean, he's a doctor detective. I feel like he's a little too on the ball. Yeah. He is, he is well behind the ball as we will find out later. (laughs) (laughs) Alas. Well, okay. So his, his mom is bitch and she's like, Wow, oh look at look at the little writer girl. Oh, did you know that uh um Jane Eyre died a spinster? Um Jane Austen, I think. Or Jane Austen, yeah. Jane Eyre's the character. Um Jane Austen is she who is the real character? It was oh. Jane Eyre. Um, yes. Uh and then Edith is like, Well, actually, uh I'd rather be Mary Shelley because she died a widow. Um by Alan, and then he's like, gulp. Um <laughs> And then she, she goes had, to she see- has to run off to show her manuscripts uh, to a uh, a horrible editor. Edie yeah, well- can never be as hardcore as Mary Shelley. 
like carrying her. Like, I want to be a widow and I'm going to carry around my dead husband's heart with me wherever I go. Yeah, no, that's Luce- like Lucille is straight up Mary Shelley. Like, yeah. she's Mary Shelley to like to 11, where she's like, you can cut my hand as much as you want, but I'm still going to try to kill you. Edie yeah. shops at Hot Topic and thinks that makes her goth. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lucille is like, using the skin of the you know her dead relatives to make a dress i mean lucille um, has definitely had sex with her <clears throat> brother on uh, her mother's grave just you know oh uh-huh. yeah yeah and and meanwhile he's just like that's cool um so yeah the 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 publisher which she did use nepotism to see i mean i know it's hard for a young lady in the time hey it's all hey it's all about who you know yeah, right. I mean, it's still that I way, your but... father knows, but yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> but he's sexist. Just, just working them net just working them networks. And the ghost is a metaphor. The guy says like really nice things about her handwriting. Like she's yeah. a fucking toddler. She's got um, some great loops. Yeah. That's some good loops. Strong tease. And the ghost is a metaphor. Which is why past. she now wants to type on a typewriter instead of writing. Yeah. Papers. Yeah. And then her dad's like, I'm sorry about that. He's kind of an old fuck. But here, I'm sorry, but here's a pen, a special pen, because I support you and I support your writing. She's like, she's actually, like, I think I'm going to Yeah, I'm going to use a typewriter. Fuck you, dad. You look so sad. Like, I he mean, really does. He's like, oh, okay. Jim Beaver's number one emotion, sad. Like, I'll give yeah, you the typewriter, like, but I was really hoping you would like the pen. I guess. She does use the pen eventually, but um, yeah. the... Yeah, but... Um, and, and, you know, it's understandable. She's pissed off about the sexism and her dad's like, oh, but I guess, okay, yeah. I mean, I, you know, dad is kind of the best in that way. Anyway, um, she starts her typing the next day at her dad's office and here comes Baronet Sir Thomas Hiddleston and he is a British man from Britain. He is like a, um, a sexy scarecrow with a top hat. Yeah, um, that's the <laughs> sexy scarecrow. That's what it is. Yeah. That's exactly and- the vibe. And he looks at her, the papers in her hands for two seconds and is like, wow, that's such good writing. And she's like, really? You? Not not really cons- considering the fact that he hasn't even had a chance to really look. And he assumed that she was the secretary. Yeah. Ooh, she was technically first... the secretary. But no, she wasn't. No, she, she, was was... Used, she was using the secretary's uh, typewriter. The secretary was actually talking to her how to do it and complimenting that it looks nice. Yeah. And like Tom Tom Hiddleston comes up just like, oh, I'm here to see blah, 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 blah. And he just that she, the secretary. Yeah. He's like, who are you transcribing that for? Yeah, exactly. And I know like, definitely has that rampant sexism, but also she is at the secretary's desk at this place of business. I'm not making any excuses for this motherfucker. I know he's Tom Hiddleston. I'm with you. <laughs> But yeah, like if I like, showed up at a receptionist desk and as and like, and the person said was like, "I'm not the receptionist," I'd be like, "Oh, where is the receptionist? Yeah, what are you doing? What did you do with the receptionist?" Um, yeah, so dude is fucking not us. Not to defend our murder incest scarecrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, he he goes to meet the uh, the panel of old white men. Who have who uh, bank on effort, not privilege, and um, he's like, "Look at my jar of red paint, and also this is my clay miner for ants." Um, and uh, um, the dad is like, "Murka," 
and you're you're soft little british boy with soft hands and my hands are are hard and crusty from working and you know also telling people what to do which doesn't super make sense because apparently tom hiddleston has already started building a giant chainsaw drill yeah he's he's done all sorts of shit he's basically an artificer he's been like inventing stuff his entire life yeah my hands are very rough from all the black people i've ordered to do things right (laughs) (laughs) you're right it was our hard work Hiring, hiring freed black people and China and Chinese labor at the cheapest prices imaginable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to build this country. Uh, My hands are so calloused from all the exploitation. Um, you know how hard it is to point at things all day. Yeah, <laughs> those ghosts are still doing it. Um, but the maybe that's what killed them. Um, so the ghosts are metaphors, by the way, for the um, for the past. So yeah, and the so past basically, is dead people. The past is dead people. That's the metaphor. The ghost is a metaphor for dead people. Yeah. So in America, they bank on effort, not privilege. Um, yep. Bart noise. Bart noise. And then, uh, <laughs> but having money and connections does help. Um, so yeah. So then there's like a big ball that is being held by uh, Mrs. McMichael, Dr. Hunky's mom. We get some straight up mini Bridgerton action. Yeah. Like... The, it kind of i loved i kind of loved it yeah no i mean this was fun like this is like very fun classic romance you know jane austen like oh the ball and the, oh, it's an odd couple here and the, yeah they're doing a waltz with a candle not, nothing will convince me that wasn't as like has to be cgi flame i mean i'm not freeze framing it but i'm like bullshit i don't know i feel like it, it was the they used like one of those relighting candles oh that yeah. makes sense that that would that, like, take but the they were, magic out of it. That they, would totally be what they would do. Maybe they, they did it. Fast. I don't know. That'd be great. <laughs> um, I just, like, if it was Kubrick, they would have been, had to do that like a thousand takes of the waltzing just oh, to man. get the like. Yeah, and the whole they, room would be lit by candlelight. Single take, fucking Barry Lyndon style. But like, yeah, she she doesn't. Edith doesn't want to go first, and uh, Baronet shows up to her house to be like, I "Want somebody to go with me? Won't you go with me? Come on and go with me." Uh, I was hanging out in the rain for several hours waiting for okay, your dad to yeah, leave. That, so is that, I that was so weird. Fuck. That's super gross. So and this weird. is right after her mom has shown up again to be like, bitch, beware of Crimson Peak. <laughs> and then fucking Tom Hiddleston shows up. And that's w- that's when, as Edie, I would be like, just real quick, one more thing. <laughs> Crimson Peak. Ring a bell? And why, if her mom knows about Crimson Peak, why didn't she choose to be like coy about it and say Crimson Peak and not like, hey, beware of Thomas Sharp? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Really? Uh, Allerdale Hall. It's written. Yeah. Or why can't like, you read Ghost? I, I don't think hey, she would have been able to understand that if a go- if Ghost had hissed it at her. Well, <laughs> beware of the guy that's about to show up. Like, it's not that hard. The um, Loki looking motherfucker. Yeah. Got a tight ass. <laughs> Beware of the sexy scare. Tap that ass <laughs> and no more. And also your dad is correct this time. Um, yeah, like the dad is like, honey, I hate this guy's face. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. <laughs> and she's like, ha 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 ha, dad. And he's I don't like, know why no. I hate him, but there's something I hate about him. Just want to punch him. him right in his stupid <laughs> British mug. 
I'm gonna go to the ball now. And then, yeah, so this fucking Prince Charming bullshit stalkery motherfucker shows up, doesn't take no for an answer, and um, Fairy Godmother gives um, Edie, like, the, the coolest dress even though it doesn't have poofy sleeves. So I bet everybody there was like scandalized as hell being like, oh, she's wearing her under. <laughs> um, and uh, Mrs. McMichaels is like, literally says, stay in your lane. <laughs> um, yeah. And then here is where Lucille shows up, proving to be the one person in this film, more sus than fucking Tom Hiddleston. Um, you know, we're, we're of course, you know, uh, we've, we've seen it all, but you were there you saw it she's sus as fuck she smiles 10 seconds after she should every single time yeah there's that and i think one of the interesting costumes that when we first see her she is in a dress that actually mimics the spinal columns of all the good and because of the way that it actually it actually looks a pool of blood yeah um so for me that was again that aesthetics yeah she's pure sus just walking sus like, I mean, nobody else in that entire ball had a had a dress that like that eye catching. Like, I yeah. don't I don't see how how Edie was able to like catch the attention from Luce, uh, it's Lucille. Lucille. Right? I wonder Lucille. if this strange person dressed all in crimson knows anything. Yeah, she's about dressed all in crimson, and it's so different and interesting. And then this chick shows up with her shoulders bare. Like I do love how easily this entire room of people that was seeing how much she stands out. I'm just going like, well, she is European. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking Catherine Deneuve move. Like, I mean, but Edie isn't European, but she shows up with the European man. And I do love like all of the, the regular girls being like, Oh no. Like they're all, they're all like the Gaston girls from fucking sleeping beauty. And they're like, I wanted crying. to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they do a waltz with a with with this candle around the most flammable materials ever known to mankind. Um, and so many people died in that decade just because of waltz fires. Well, that and like <laughs> they were, waltz fires were the gender reveal parties of their time. <laughs> and, and I love that Dad is so suspicious of his waltz. Then he hires a skeleton with skin stretched over him to investigate. <laughs> right, like this, like not fake Willem Michael Defoe. Defoe. Another yeah. uh, alumni from Pacific Rim. Yeah. And Bird um, Gorman as Holly. Yeah, and I also like how during the dance, Thomas is like, "Well, I just close my eyes to uncomfortable things," and oh. Edie's like, "Cool. That is a very normal thing for normal people to say normally." <laughs> With your crimson sister who like looking at me real weird. Crimson Peak, weird name for a house. Crimson Sister, great name for a band. Oh yeah. I mean Or a Scarlet Witch villain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Crimson (laughs) I think I mean it's it's it's... I like the idea that all her villains are just named after different like shades of R of of red. (laughs) Shades of R. Shades of R. That's a that's a very twenty first century thing to say. I like that. Um I just want to know which villain is going to be Burgundy. Burgundy Buffalo. Oh, that's... Just a real red buffalo, man. Burgundy is a fantastic name. I mean, red gets all the good names. Vermilion. Burgundy Baron. Russet. Ooh. Yeah. Crimson. It's like Salamanders. Like, Salamanders have all the good names. Salamander, Newt, Axolotl, Hellbender. Anyway. 
Speaking of how is Hellbender not a movie we've covered on this podcast? Uh, is that a movie? Sounds like no, one. it sounds like it should be a movie yeah, that we, have we would have covered. Hell we have Hellbent, we have Hellbent, Hellbent, Hellboy, Hellraiser. Yeah, that's what I was just yeah, Hellraiser, Paul Razor. Okay, anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Dad hires not Willem Dafoe to do some digging on the, the sus British siblings. Um, and Dr. And Hunky Paul- is like, Look, I discovered ghosts and I haven't told anybody but you. Um, yeah, they have some great chemistry. That you see ghosts. Yeah, um, and then and then he very respectfully says, Edith, I respect you. This motherfucker is sus as fuck. I'm just, just be careful, please. And she's like, Ha ha, lol. Um, <laughs> An accurate retelling of the event. Yes. <laughs> and then, uh, and then he can just. Thomas continues to compliment you this writing without actually reading it. Um, and the, they're out like that's when we get the cool uh, Gary Oldman hot Dracula look where he's out in the they're out in the country and God, everyone's look. like wearing there's pastels whole, and shit. There's a whole deleted scene of him actually reading her story, like some of it aloud. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so like we are supposed to believe that he actually read her story. You just took all of that out of the thing. Yeah. Okay. Because every time he talks about her story, he has looked at the pages and kind of flipped through them and been like, yeah, it's great. When he like Those he looks at that words. piece of paper for literally seven seconds and he's like, you're such a great writer. That one has five syllables. Look nice at that. Job. Commas, periods, nouns, verbs, and everything. Semicolon? Whoa. Ooh, la, la. Next level shit. <laughs> um, I saw you use the metaphor and I fell in love. That was the ghost. The ghost was a metaphor for metaphors. <laughs> what are the moths and butterflies metaphors for? Um, how people in the 19th century don't understand science at all. I mean, like, at least for an ophthalmologist, uh, Dr. Hunky is, like, not prescribing cocaine. To, well, maybe he is. I don't know. He did tell somebody to go to the druggist. Um, what would that be? Your eyesight isn't very good. Here's some coke. Yeah, it just makes you not care. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lucille is like, look at these beautiful dying butterflies. Obviously, there's some pollution going on, but we don't care about that. I'm going to pick up this butterfly by the wing and brush your face with it um, and talk about how the butterflies are dying because they're not getting enough sun. That's not Lucille, how butterflies are. so sus. And then she's like, oh, we don't have butterflies in Britain. We just have black moths. Of course they have no butterflies in Britain. Didn't you hear what she said about no sun? Yeah, but then the moths eat the butterflies so how do the terrible food chain at this point either lucille's going to kiss or eat her i'm not sure which it is though (laughs) yeah yeah that the the butterflies and moths have to do with weird predatory sapphic shit i don't know i think one of the things that i was reading through was saying that uh the butterflies were while the moths were seal yeah the idea that lucille was holding one by the wing and then brushing. You know, again, they even uh, have this in the um, in in the color choices and throughout uh, in the house, like get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger in this sort of effort to make her look more like a butterfly. And she um, has that awesome like yellow and black yes. dress ensemble mm-hmm. that is very uh, evocative of like the swallowtail butterfly color scheme. <laughs> Even the lace within the hat that she has actually has butterflies. Yeah, so. and then there's a there's a bit actually at the end where um, Lucille is in her weird 
attic like everybody has a weird attic there's a lot of attics in this house and she has like butterflies under glass so she's mm -hmm. basically like caught and kept these butterflies so she's sort of like she's the one who's collecting and she's taken trophies of the women that she's killed and stuff like that so she's she's got these sort of her trophy of all of these like you know these women that she has um uh fished in essentially is there anything so, butterfly imagery in the shovel um any connection from the shovel I don't think we can, but I'm hoping that there's a way. Well, butterfly larvae sometimes have large spikes that trap wasps when they try to um, lay their eggs in the body of the, the caterpillar. Okay, I love that because that's some real like call an ambulance, but not for me energy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But, you know, when they're in their imago form, they're not like they don't really have a lot. Although some of them are poisonous because they have cyanide in them, but that's I'm liking a guy like, quick, take your cyanide tab tablet. We're in a spy novel and you just bite into a caterpillar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so. My suicide, quick, take your suicide caterpillar. It's <laughs> just the guy like downing like a whole it's thing. So tickling. Like, oh, God. Um, I didn't bite it and crawled out. This is the, so good. This is the dumbest thought. Suicide <laughs> <laughs> caterpillar. I, this is the oh, dumbest like a, tangent I've ever taken us on, and I've taken us down some dumbass tangents. It's their suicide tequila with the, with the caterpillar. You know what's a dumbass tangent? This red ring. Which it's crimson. I, I definitely thought was going to be cursed or poisoned or in some way. Nah, it's just a tacky ass jewelry. It's yeah. not tacky. Even, She's like, it's a little tacky. Thomas okay. is like, I, mean, I have to give big. her the ring. I'm being, I'm being catty. <laughs> Ignore me when I'm being me. No. I, I, I do appreciate that Lucille is like, I earned this ring. This is mine. Which we later find out is because she put a fucking axe through her mom's head. Um, <laughs> that's how she earned yeah. the ring. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is kind of, I don't know. Like, the more I think about, like, Lucille is not great, but she <laughs> is kind of a boss. It's an interesting place to come down on Lucille. I mean, she yeah. was a 14 year old who that's such a heavy looking cleaver. And she was 14 and she was so much. Again, she has super strength. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing is that she is she's not she's not well, but she does get her hands dirty and she does do the work, which I'm like, you know, we bank on effort, not privilege. Um, so she's anyway, the only one who lives up to that. Yeah. <laughs> when faces gotta get stabbed, she stabs some faces. Yeah, she stabs all of those faces. Now, um the this red ring is shown when Lucille and Thomas have a an appropriately sus conversation. Um and then dad has now just has gotten not Willem Dafoe to um I I'm sorry, I I don't know what's the actor's name? Burn Gorman. Burton Gorman, sorry, or you can dude. Say skeleton with skin stretched over his head. Uh, yeah, or skeleton and, man. Either way, I yeah. I just don't want to like eclipse his career by just comparing him to Willem Dafoe. All I time. want to be. There's no way Burn Gorman can be his real name. And then I looked on his Wikipedia, and it got so much more British. Bless. And that his full name is Burn Hugh Winchester Gorman. That's the. He should have just been that. Like that should have just been his name in the movie. Should have gone with the whole <laughs> fucking thing. Mr. Holly. Which kind of is great because it's sort of like, you know, tiny. This is my thug, tiny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so dad is like now picked up the dirt and he's like, 
here uh sus siblings i want to talk to you here's some dirt um it's fucked up he's not <laughs> sure with anybody paper. including us yeah and they're like oh fuck it's a it's a piece of paper that is meaningful and then yeah. he and tom hiddleston's like but i love your daughter and and the dad's like that's cute me too um not like that but like it's like now that i have all this evidence against you i'm going to blackmail you by giving you money yeah i'm not i'm, I'm going not sure to blackmail that's how that you. works well yeah like the dude is like i can blackmail you but first i'm gonna bribe you and just say get the fuck out and make it just so you can leave and everything's cool and then you know now i have i can blackmail you as well but i'm just gonna say you're gonna you're gonna leave you're gonna tell everybody you're leaving and you're gonna break my daughter's heart and the the sister's like absolutely yes for sure and tom hiddleston's like i guess um i like how tom hiddleston's first thought was how can i break her heart i know i'll tell her what i really think of her writing yeah um never read the comments section um and that's what that's what he does and it uh, would definitely be refreshing goodreads oh like my god 20 minutes <laughs> yeah yes. Oh boy. That's like I think that's one of the things that we see that we identify with Edith is just because she is like pretty insecure. But I mean she's also a writer in like the the nice She's century. got that writer's insecurity and I relate to that a lot. Yeah, it's a very very relatable insecurity. Um and you know the hot man was like I like this thing that is the one thing that you want people to like you for instead of being pretty. And then then he's like just kidding and then that's really bad. But then, um, oh, I really just kidding. Blah, incest murder. I just want a hot man who will proofread my stuff and tell me that it's good. That's all I yeah. really want. <laughs> honestly, I a really hot echo chamber. Like, honestly, that's such a fucking fantasy, though. Yeah. Like I Tom mean, Hiddleston ASMR tells me my writing is good. So, um, he does send Edie a letter being like, you know, as he as he leaves, he says, oh, "You pro- I'll probably be long gone by now," but. I was mean to you because your dad asked me to be goodbye. Oh, drop that it. letter right there full of red flags. Right. And then she's like, oh, fuck, I got to go. And then she does catch him in time. Um, How long was he waiting meanwhile. at that hotel? How long was he fucking waiting for her, hoping that she would show up to do the romantic comedy climactic reunion? He probably moment? watched her and then followed oh, her yeah, from no. the house. He oh, probably, that's... Like, that, right and so much worse yeah he was across the street at the coffee shop waiting for her to run in looking for him so that he could dramatically walk in behind her yeah (laughs) and then they kiss and she's very happy and then they're gonna be like and she's gonna go hey dad i know you hate this guy but i oh fuck because meanwhile her dad has been brutally murdered by a sink yes This is it's horrible and bad and sad and I mean like it's horrible to watch. It is a it is like the it's like the it's bottle. Very death. confusing to me. I do love how the official like the they do the autopsy and they're like this man clearly just tripped his face into the sink multiple <laughs> times. Yeah, and Doctor Hunky is like, whoa, whoa, hold up. He was by himself, and they're like, I guess. Like, this the feels only like some weird final destination thing too, because like. They started off with like, hey, here's this gramophone playing in there. 
and here's all this very hot water and the sink is overfilling and here's his very sharp shaving razor and boom hit him over the face with the sink again and again and again and yeah. again like they give you so many things that could be the murder weapon and i just nah just fucking no he just they just slam his head sink. and like his head is concave by the end of it and i'm like thanks guillermo for that that was my favorite character and and you knew it yeah. and you're doing this to me on purpose asshole i think one of the things that I actually enjoy about this movie is the fact that there's all these different setups and every single time he surprises you. So you're thinking, oh, they're going to use the razor. Oh, they're going to use some electricity or something from the gramophone or uh, they're going to use something on that. And then he takes the one thing you're not thinking about and just says, nah, we're going to do this in kind of the most brutal way possible. I mean, he was inspired with this one by remember the guy's first name. Oh, the ha- the yeah, Hebrew the Hammer, Hammer films. Yeah, the Hammer films. No, no okay, um, not the Hebrew Hammer. <laughs> but <laughs> it's then... different movies there. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, the 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 ha- the Hammer films, um, and like he wanted to to kind of bring that goriness to the gothic horror movie uh, film, but without like. Like one of his biggest gripes with gothic horror was that it wasn't, it didn't get to your face enough. Like it, yeah. it was always so far at a distance. Rebecca, you watch, no, yeah, watch Rebecca. Um, and like everything is set like such a long, like the violence has already happened. And the dread comes from the fact that, you know, something, you know, something was wrong uh, or something is wrong. And then the reveal is what horrifies you. And it's sort of like, it's in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, he um, brings a like a Hellraiser level of violence to Poe stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's so yeah. much blood in the sink. Like this sink is just gushing blood by the end. Well, the guy's like the guy's skull is concave. It's, yeah, like his and, head is bashed in, and it's it, we do see it. We don't. We're not like right up close Hellraiser with that so much, but we are, you know, treated to a, a decently graphic view. Get, yeah, there's no dike. We don't get discretion shots on the impact. No, even if we're not up close. Yeah, and I was. It reminded me of the scene in um, uh, *Pan's Labyrinth* where the guy gets hit in the face with a bottle, where it's just incredibly visceral and horrible. Um, and uh, yeah, like, and I think that's the one thing about this movie that does give it a little bit of that extra kick that you know that makes it Guillermo del Toro as opposed to you know just a mediocre but pretty gothic romance, is that he does. Um, add that unflinching view of those macabre subjects with 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 the death and with the sex um and uh anyway so dad is dead and edith now has to go identify his mutilated body it can't be anybody else it has to be her she has to see his his bashed in face even though um apparently legally required for her to see her dad's bashed in face yeah and dr mcmichael's like no i could do it i was his physician and the the solicitor's like actually no she has to do it and that's where we have him you know dr mcmichael's being like oh this doesn't seem like what velocity did he hit this sink because i'm pretty sure his bones aren't this flimsy he just hit a banana peel yeah. in that, uh, that club bathroom i want yeah. again i want to meet the doctor before the autopsy he just comes out writing in their like on their little notepad, like diagnosed that as death by oopsie daisy. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, not much autopsying everyone... required. It's already open. Yeah. 
Like, well, it like seems that. to be missing a large chunk of his head. Yeah, see, that's the cause looks of death. Like he died by this. Um, some of his brain is probably fallen out. I don't know. I didn't really lost some evidence down the drain. Is that okay? <laughs> so, yeah. And then Edith, of course, she has this. She goes into shock and she starts, um talking about her her dad in the present tense and you know talking about him as a person which is is as we said a very very powerful bit um and then she's like to england yeah and she's like oh thomas and he's like i'm here and uh and now they're in jolly old england with their fucked up castle groundskeeper with his dead rabbit it's very charming yeah um disappears from the movie rather quickly and replaced by the dog. Maybe he was the dog was him the whole time. Oh, okay. I actually have a thought on this part. So if you guys have seen Rebecca, I don't know if you have, but if you have seen, from I what I understand, this is where the idea of the little dog, the trouble, starts. Because in that film, they have the same thing with this spaniel named Jasper, which was dog that belonged to the titular character of Demise. And um, I don't want to give away too many spoilers there. But um, it's, uh, I, I almost can swear it's a direct sort of homage to what goes on in there because it happens all the time. Um, and it's a, it's a, you know, fairly common trope. Um, but it was something that, if I remember right, Hitchcock didn't film at it. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, so. I love that the Sharps have no fucking poker face about this dog whatsoever. He shows up and Thomas is like, oh, a dog that's strange <laughs> like maybe he belongs to somebody here no he definitely doesn't and it's like maybe he's a straight well there's nothing for miles so that would be weird that's definitely not either of those possible explanations that you just offered and yeah. then like and then when and then when lucille shows up she's like what is that fucking dog doing here and she's like he's like i don't know i left it out in the cold in the middle of the winter and it just came fucking back. <laughs> yeah, I love his explanation. Like, I just let the dog outside and it turned out fine. I, can you just imagine, like, e- well, Edith certainly has a poker face because, you know, they're out in the middle of fucking nowhere. There are no trees. There's like co- a couple of corpsey trees and there's this old man with his dead rabbit. And she sees a papillon dog and she's like, wow, dog, thank Christ. And... um <laughs> This castle looks miserable, like just the worst place to live. And she goes inside and she's like, there's a a fucking hole in the roof. Great. (laughs) And Thomas is great about this because he's like, yeah, the fucking hole in the roof is bad. But where do you see the floor? Yeah. (laughs) He's jumping up and down. He's like, look, there's just red shit coming up between the tiles. Yeah, it's sinking. Aren't you glad you came here? There's a hole in the ceiling and the walls are literally bleeding. And she's like, how many rooms are in this house? He's like, I don't know. Also, sometimes the hallways just kind of scream. You think that's great? Wait till you see your haunted elevator. Yeah, oh God. (laughs) Fuck that. And like this, he's like, we have a haunted elevator. Don't go in it. Don't go in it. That's not our dog. Don't go to the basement. Don't go to the basement because it's bad. If you're moving in with your uh, romantic partner and they tell you, hey, don't go in that room. You're not allowed in that room. That's a red flag. Oh well, I mean, my God. that's a direct uh, direct reference to the Bluebeard. Yeah. Yeah. And this is also like. An, that also makes more sense because I thought it was a reference to Beauty and the Beast. That's nope. where I keep the heads Bluebeard, of all my Bluebeard dead wives. makes way more sense. Right? I don't think it was a reference to, um, what was it? 
the guy that killed there's a bunch of serial killers that had a room to in the house <laughs> yeah it's, it's like i was watching it and i was like well is this a reference to jane Eyre or is this just a reference to bluebeard which is a reference to uh, which is referenced by jane Eyre. yes so yes um yeah and also it's like um yeah i'm the wife now so can i have some keys and lucille's like uh, no <laughs> and Edith is like, okay. We will give you keys on a trial basis if you have earned the keys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to go through 90 days before we give you the full. Yeah, if you can, f- if the house is cool enough for you. <laughs> I don't mean, have I know any keys freezing. to give you, but here is some poison tea. Yeah. And, yeah, and the ghost, ghosts immediately start showing up. Like, it's, they don't even give her a grace period. She's not even there for a night. She's there for five minutes and immediately she sees the ghost and she's like, there's a, is a ghost? Is are y'all seeing this shit? And <laughs> is like, I don't know. The lights are always like that. Um, <laughs> My lights flicker and I always scream. It's just the way it is. <laughs> I like Americans. <laughs> I like in the movie when Edie is like, hey, have people died in this house? And, and he's just is like, oh man, so many people. <laughs> It's like it's an old ass house. What do you think? Like, do you know how old fucking England is? Come on, this is a castle. <laughs> this is why houses in the suburbs aren't haunted. We tear that shit down every time someone new buys the property. Why yeah. don't you? Why do you think everything under here is red? Like <laughs> there's at least it's two iron teenage ore. royals buried under this castle. It's a castle in England. Yeah. <laughs> Again, did anyone expect? somehow the big clay mine chainsaw machine was going to play a little bigger, like was going to play more of a role in the climax. Yeah, I thought I did. Like, I thought it would be more than just a set piece. Here we are. She fucking, she climbs up it. And then Lucille turns it on. And then rather than the giant electric steam shovel that they've been talking about the whole movie, she hits her with a normal shovel. (laughs) It's a Just metaphor. Push her into the uh. shovel is a metaphor for the a shovel is a shovel. metaphor for the fact <laughs> for that Edith shovel. is not decisive. Um, or we'll in multiple times, I love it. Took multiple just bonks, bonks. <laughs> it yeah, almost well. sounds comical. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, it was a little comical. Like this is our intense horror movie, but it still ends with Edie getting in like an action one liner after she defeats the villain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's. I loved I loved that bit too. Like me too. Like yeah. I love that Edie gets an action one liner. That's not a complaint to the movie. No, that's yeah. Thank you, Guillermo. Um, yeah. So bugs are more more dying bugs and ghosts and uh, nothing. I'm afraid nothing gentle grows in this land. I'm surprised she doesn't already have pneumonia. But then she starts like getting the consumption or something. But which okay, Lucille's like hi uh you guys want tea and tom hiddleston's like i'm not drinking that and lucille's or and it's like sure and then yeah, she's yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. bad and tom hiddleston's like no you should really drink it yeah it's not like yeah. they're doing like oh i found a poison that has no taste it's like mm, this tastes like poison it's like no it doesn't you'll get used <laughs> to it this the lights are always like that just trust uh, yeah. all, all the food tastes like poison in britain actually you'll find that all as food, you live yes. here <laughs> the clay gets into the tea yeah everything's in the water and the walls even though it's i don't know how it gets up there and comes back down i don't know it's climbing again clay. if there had been like the implication that something was the clay was alive and by the clay being in the house the house was alive and we got some like 
gothic haunting of Hill House type material. Right. But instead, it's just a fucking safety hazard like in the making. Like that's it's so dangerous. It's just a set piece. A lot of set pieces. It is in no way safe for human habitation. Right. Not OSHA compliant whatsoever. I know it's in Britain, but yeah. Um, God. So yeah. So Edith is like, okay, chose, you know, I chose this sexy stick man and his sus ass fuck sister who smiles too late. And I've gone to this house. that's fucking falling apart. At least there's a dog ghosts everywhere. Cool. Food sucks. Drinks suck. Water sucks. Air sucks. The ghost chases her into an elevator and she immediately goes into the part of the house that they have told her not to go into accidentally. Um, Uh And and finds a very suspicious uh, steamer trunk Trunk. that's just been left there. Yeah, 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 there's a Nola on it. And there's also a bunch of like fucking cisterns. Um, And uh, yeah, and then Edith has, has talked about their horrible mother and she's like, oh yes, that's my mother. She's horrible. Yes, she she beat us and was shitty and um but she wasn't as bad as our dad he was even worse we were locked in the attic anyway i always love to know to think that she's watching me now um here look at this porn have you fucked yet um and section of the movie is just kind of like i feel like the order of things you could really just put them in any order and it's like oh okay whatever um, because it's like she's slowly being poisoned and it's obviously by the tea and she's slowly uncovering the like other stuff going on in this house because she can see the ghosts of the people who have died here. Uh, meanwhile, like every half hour, they like clockwork check in with uh, doc- Dr. Hunky, um, who's like, hmm, he's hired a private investigator before... Before he mysteriously died, I wonder what that was about. Oh, it was about this guy that married his daughter. Hmm. I wonder if there's something to that. I well, do. Okay. See you again in half an hour. Do 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 do. Because he he chases down Burn, and then Burn is just like, "All right, here's all the paperwork. Here's everything I discovered." And then he looks at it for all of like ten seconds. He's like, "I discovered this. <laughs> this is my detective work." <laughs> yeah, he's like. Oh, this is interesting. Oh. I'm a doctor of detectiving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking Burns like, here are all the dots. There's four of them. Can you connect them? Yeah. And then and he's they, like, Hunky on doctor's like, I can connect three of them. He's like, one, two. What comes after two? <laughs> ghosts. One, two, ghosts. <laughs> one, two, four. That's just basic math. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a bit He's a little confused after, I mean, he's tired. One fish, two fish, red fish, ghosts. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, there's some, there are some key items that um, Edie picks up as she explores the house all spookily and aesthetically. Um, she gets key item gramophone, key item uh, key. cylinder. Um, yeah, key item key. Key item key. Um, and then mysterious letter. This is yes. just making me feel that there's a Resident Evil where Edie, with her big poofy sleeves, is just going through with a gun through this mansion. I mean, that's basically zombies. what this movie is. I, I, again, I'm assuming keeping ammo in her sleeves, in her big poofy sleeves. <laughs> she, she's Resident Eviling her way through this house, 
but it's not zombies it's just poison that's killing her yeah and the ghosts are like this this sucks hey Edie, why are you here yeah the ghosts are basically the other stars characters from resident evil that just show up occasionally are like hey i'm also here uh you can look in this other room over there let's split up look for survivors and get out of an evil movie why you no look like this right (laughs) so um yeah Edie really should have had an inventory screen that popped up every time she picked something up in this movie lucille permanently equipped with poison (laughs) yeah and sometimes knife Mm -hmm. um i loved her line when she talks about how Edie stopped uh, drinking the tea and she's like, that's all right. I put it in the porridge. Yeah. And then she's like, she doesn't, she doesn't mwaha laugh, but you can tell that she's like suppressing it really hard. Yeah. She's just trying to keep everything as flat as possible because, you know, every time she's so distraught, she's like, oh no, I'm so sorry. Oh, you fell. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. And I'm very serious about this emotion that (laughs) I'm feeling. I also love that throughout the movie, Lucille is is more than happy to use whatever knife is handy until the final boss battle when she has to go get her legendary item from underneath the <laughs> underneath the bricks yeah. in the basement. And she's like, actually, this is my great hatchet that I used to kill my mom. Yeah, I'm using it special for you. I mean, it's like, thanks, Lucille. You just got to be extra. I need she to does. use this one to do my limit break. Yeah. <laughs> It's got triple linkage in materia. Uh, My limit break, by the way, is running around through the snow where you can't see me. Yeah, fucking Naruto running around. Like, (laughs) um, yeah. So uh, there's a bit, um, and like she, Edie is chased into the elevator, which we all know you shouldn't use the elevator in an emergency, but whatever. Um, Thomas is thinks that he's a uh he's a failure and is like i'm a failure and Edie's like no nah, you're guy yeah. and Thomas then might have a point at this point in the movie because yeah. he hurts his hand by sticking it in the machine or kind of near and around the machine i'm like i, this I is, think that's he got basic burned. safety he should know that by now yeah if he's got like fucking frills out and like just this all like this steam and gears ruffles. if your machine he's like let me shove my hand in these gears He's like, no, this is where the hand has to go. The machine is designed. It can't work unless your hand is next to a bunch of whirring gears and shooting steam. Design it more. Yeah. Designed it just like he designed the house, or well, that the house was designed. It's in the blood. Well, that's there why is he no needs way- his other piece to go where his hand should go. That's why he has to order another piece special from Edinburgh. God forbid this is successful because you're just going to maim so many poor workers. <laughs> Yeah, it's so, and then he's like, oh, by the way, people call it Crimson Peak. And then Edie's like, what? Excuse me, what? <laughs> I was sort of Crimson Peak. Incest murderer says what? <laughs> <laughs> Incest murderer conspiracy? What? <laughs> he's like, yeah, Crimson Peak. What? It's not like Ghost told you to stay away from it, right? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, that'd be ridiculous. Ghosts, fucked up house, no keys, weird basement. A lot of a lot of people t- not telling me shit. Sounds normal. Oh, f- crimson. Oh, fuck. Oh, well, I guess I'm <laughs> gotta stay here. Um, yeah, up to that point, she just didn't get out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that within the next 
a couple um, scenes like trying to Thomas like she just wants to go she just yeah. wants yeah. to leave when and this movie talks about the sunken place though they're talking about the house literally sinking yeah, yeah. they're talking about the literal sunken place that's below the house full of fucking blood clay but Boom. Yeah. nailed it housing infrastructure house infrastructure joke it's good good job Ben. <laughs> it's the it's the little joys that kept me through the day you're writing Golf is clap. So good <laughs> I'm writing um yeah so um the ghost so edith tries to talk to the ghost she's like hey ghost what's up it's me your boy <laughs> the, the she's ghosts like, are you're like, Nola, right and the ghost is like <laughs> ghost is like point ah and then the ghost is like you should seriously leave though like for real his blood will be on your hands which doesn't also really make sense. dead baby yeah and she's i like, still oh, don't understand the baby oh like, my god her. this is the twist i do not need in this movie yeah which is enola is shown with a baby several times when she when they discover all the she discovers the the wealth of information about all these care these dead women that's in the basement and yeah. it's like oh it's a baby and she's like oh no the fucking lucille killed uh the baby and then when she confronts Lucille about it, Lucille's like, actually, nah, that was my baby that I had with my brother. And it yeah. was fucked up. So it got killed as well. I mean, it's I like, know you saw oh us my. fucking. And I know that I told you we're fucking. And now I need to tell you that also this baby was ours from fucking. <laughs> like, that's what happened as a result. You Why saw that we were fucking, but did you know goes- we were raw dogging it? <laughs> why did they go so hard on incest yeah I like so hard like what part of that is like so vital to the gothic romance formula I, I i don't know i don't know why incest was the monster of this movie and not the actual monsters but okay yeah and we um, discover- like, i was really excited, like oh they're not brother and sister that or even like nobility they're complete con artists oh yeah like and it's like no <laughs> she's she's like oh you're not even his sister and she's like actually oh. okay so here's something that's interesting so incest is actually a literature as it comes from the very first gothic literature a book that was considered to be gothic um which was uh the castle of i think it's otronanto written by horace walpole okay. so that is probably why that was included in there i have not read this book specifically um but yeah, it turns out that uh, some of the characters had whole ass incest uh, huh. in this. Um, also, Ultranado definitely sounds like the name of yeah. a Jack Kirby robot. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> does. There's also the fact that this is might also be tipping a hat to, to flowers. In the- okay. Um, yeah. Which is another thing. But yeah. Okay. So <laughs> today we. Well, I mean, I, I think that incest is also a big, like, it is a big theme with. Um, the kind of gothic horror that you have with the like the Dracula stuff that refers to nobility, like old old nobility, That's too. And, um, so you have that going on, and you know, usually it's not like literally brother sister. Usually it's cousins or something or father daughter, uh, which is still pretty bad. But like um, the, uh, um, I'm okay with some tropes just going away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't it definitely did not need to be in this movie <laughs> to make it scary or bad. You know, they could have just killed people. Um, but 
yeah so um uh so they go to town thomas takes edith to town and, and then they, they go to town on each other and then they, go to, and <laughs> yeah, then they, they finally fuck. well edith gets an important clue which is kind of why i think that the movie didn't necessarily need the ghost and all the time it's been trying to like creep us out and scare us with the ghost because the movie does start giving Edith enough clues that she can start detecting things and start putting things together. So I kind of feel like maybe like you could have cut the ghost and just spent more time on Edith being like a little detective and on Lucille being really, really creepy and Thomas being sus. Yeah. I mean, they're already like all of the, uh, all the evidence is there. All of the clues are there. We don't need ghosts pointing to shit. Yeah. On the other hand, why the hell am I asking Guillermo del Toro to not have crazy monster designs? What the fuck is wrong with me? I mean, <laughs> that's kind of what I was about to say. I'm like, look, this is Guillermo del Toro, and yeah. he loves not only aesthetic but monsters. So like, I'm supposed to tell Guillermo del Toro, what if you cut the creepy ass ghost? Fuck no. And he, that's when he would basically like walk out the door. Just exactly. Like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, without the creepy ass ghosts, there's nothing new to this like the yeah the creepy ass ghosts and the ultra violence are what's new about this as compared to like previous i mean rebecca's yeah well i think you know just guillermo needs to pick one just go with your go go with your heart guillermo you don't mm-hmm. need like half of this shit um i mean in terms of like the stuff that's not creepy ghost and aesthetic um but uh anyway um yeah so uh they uh, they sex at the post office inn and at the depot in spare room i guess because they're snowed in and um and Thomas oh, like you've feelings. never had sex in the post office's spare bedroom i mean i don't know if i'd want to <laughs> um but yeah this is a good this was a scene that i was like on one hand i was like oh they're gonna have sex and then i was like oh sh-. like <laughs> This is a lot more than I thought it'd be. It's quite, it's quite Bridgerton-y. Uh, yeah, well, there's, there's, we see yep. his Hiddleston gets his entire ass out and then yeah, gets flipped over and, um, <laughs> yeah, he gets is. Gets flipped over and ridden, which is not a, not a thing that uh, I was expecting, considering how like frail they're portraying Edith at this point in the movie. Yeah, like, this like oh, I she just need to get out of that fucking house and get some sex. That's all yeah, I need. Well, yeah, being poisoned and well, this is ghost and it's cold and <laughs> oh, this is probably the only cure to this. Po- the only cure to this poison the- is vitamin D. <laughs> yeah, it's the first time, and also she probably had dinner at some point, which probably wasn't poisoned. I would agree with that front, and also just so the she's- fact that that room is probably warm and cozy. <laughs> yeah, that warm looks so much nicer than any part of the castle. Yeah, pretty much. They say that. They say that. They're like, this room has warmth. Let's fuck. And Thomas is like, I keep thinking about the past. And she's like, it's a metaphor or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, pretty much. And I guess one of the things that I love about this, aside from... She was like, you won't find me in the past. Because this isn't the lake house. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A time travel movie that connects the far-flung years of 2004 and 2006. <laughs> wow. Wow. Again. Uh, I mean, the I past guess... always gives it to you from behind, though. <laughs> I'd, like to th- I'd like to think there was a real time loop that, like, 
time really <laughs> broke down once you spoiled Batman Begins for Keanu. <laughs> I think I killed Emily. Am I supposed Emily's to dead. <laughs> I'm supposed to record in these conditions. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah so like with all of that sex like that was the moment where i was sort of like okay edith there is some fire in you and i'm finally glad it was really nice to see a woman take power and to see something from the idea like as much as objectification is a problem entirely like i feel like this was a movie that was made for women so that they yeah yeah, if we're gonna objectify or people who enjoy men like i I don't know. I know uh, a couple people who've watched it and all they talked about, especially if they were gay, they were like, all they would talk about is like, oh, Tom Hiddleston's ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like I'm okay. Um, in, the, in this particular instance, I am okay objectifying Tom Hiddleston. Absolutely. And I think, you know, she's, she's got, she doesn't get her tits out. We see his butt. She's on top, you know. She has. I think it's. I think it's a pretty empowering like depiction. Let's be real. Thomas Sharp is such a bottom. Oh my god, she was pegging him the whole time. You know that. Um, Good for him. Uh, yeah. Except for it being her sister, his sister. Not good for him on that part. I assumed it was talking about Edith. Edith was pegging him. Oh no, but Edith is totally pegging him. And yeah, he's enjoying every second. Yes. <laughs> he's like, like holding her hand and being like... So we know he ghosts? likes to invent things. So. Yeah, so the ghosts are metaphors for anal <laughs> that's why they point all the time for anal well, the point past out. gets you from behind i just want i now want to write a story where that is in case the theme <laughs> don't ask me how i'll oh, figure it out his blood will be on your hands yes ouch edie you need some there's some loot edie edie aftercare aftercare yeah yeah i think they did they did good you know, they got some. They took. They seemed okay the next day. They were really happening. They seemed happy. The we next want. Day. We want you to raw dog him, but not like not that raw. Yeah. <laughs> that post up is just flush with lube. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was part of the package that he got. Maybe. Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Do you know how much lube passes through the post office on an average day? Well, I basically I don't. know, but I feel Neither like do I, I should look that up. Actually, <laughs> I'm sure that from Edinburgh they get all sorts of goodwill fat. So, um, yeah, just, just some the goodwill fat. Yeah, they got some uh, amber gris and oh, they can have whale fat. I thought you said goodwill fat, where it's like, yeah, you know, just out of the goodwill of our heart, we're just just mailing you some fat. <laughs> we had some like extra. This, we had some extra this year from the the, the lard harvest, and uh, I mean, I guess it does come from whales. That makes more sense. Yeah, but I, whales like the animal, not like the place, because we are in Britain. Ah, Anybody? in the U.S. Yes. Here we go. Uh, the FDA, certified personal lubricant company known as Wet International, <laughs> produces upwards of two hundred thousand gallons of the liquid each year. That's enough lube to fill more than a hundred than one hundred one point five million Starbucks venti cups. That's I'm not so what you glad. do with lube. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hate to break it to now, it. Now, I just have a hundred questions for the person measuring lube in Starbucks and teacups. You would, uh, <laughs> you would have to ask Forbes. Your unit of measurement. <laughs> the the, the copywriter at Forbes list? is like, uh, 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 
venti cups. Okay, I could, <laughs> what do I have on my desk? That man really loves coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he got them mixed up. Yeah. Oh, no. On both counts. <laughs> yeah. He wants a double shot. Okay. Uh, but anyways. Don't use so the ice lube. They get back to... I'm trying Except to remember. Go to Starbucks. What? They go to Starbucks after this. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how many of these cups of lube? <laughs> <laughs> so Sir, is... Sir, this is... is a Starbucks. <laughs> I hope all of like that list was just full of like. Do you know how many like how many big gulps that is? <laughs> that would have been so much better. Come on, <laughs> Forbes, Forbes, we rely on you for some kind of thing. Do you guys want to know the actual title of that article? Yes, please. Yes, inside the wet, slippery, booming business, and that's the title for this episode. <laughs> it's too long. <laughs> It's too long. <laughs> oh, whatever. We've had longer names. <laughs> Do they really need that many adjectives, though? I don't know. You'd have to ask the author. What Talk to Lynn Camilla. I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Lube World. Oh my gosh! Wow, um, so much of it. Anyway, so I know that they yeah. when they get back, yeah. like Lucille's pissed. Yeah, Lucille's so pissed off and she's like, I was waiting. Oh, I was so worried you didn't call. She's like, you that's know? my brother and nobody fucks him but me. Yeah. What was Lucille what? cooking? It was what porridge. Was supposed to be? No, it was okay. eggs. It, it was, was eggs. It was poison. It was just terrible, food. horrible looking eggs. Yeah. Was... Yeah. yeah. She straight up threatens, threatens Edith with eggs, with a hot pan full of burnt eggs. Also, yeah. Yeah. Also a metaphor. There was a moment where I was just that like this was the moment where I was like it solidified for me. Oh, they fucking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that oh, was I'm the sure. moment where I'm like for sure they're. You know what this, what this movie have... really gets right though is British cooking. <laughs> yeah, threaten somebody with it. I did imagine that felt like a good like real world, partially uh, a real world fear of that era, like you know. Before, before cell phones, before telephones of any kind, when it's like, well, my family left for the day and they were supposed to be back before night and it's the whole night and I hope they just camped out for the storm, but I don't know for sure yeah, if they also, got into an accident and I have no way of knowing for sure. And I can't look up how to make eggs on Google, so I scrambled them and then boiled them. Who knows what could have happened to them? Some psychopath could have killed them. Yeah, right. Like, again, if this was not Lucille and not crazy, but I'd imagine that was something you'd have to deal with, like, pretty often back then. And that's scary. Well, I mean, in our I think world, they... in our world of instantaneous communication everywhere all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, back in the day, you just had to wait. You're like, OK, well, they're probably OK, I guess. I mean, <laughs> if you're trying to keep someone from fucking your brother, lover, that's a whole extra set of stress that. Yeah. You know what? I can't help you with that. And I don't want to help you with that. So Lucille is monologuing and Edith steals the Enola key, um, key item, uh, so to speak. And she finds the gramophone player. She also finds a corpse, but doesn't notice it um, in the cistern. Yeah. She, she thinks she's like, oh, there must be a, there's these cisterns and they're fucking super suspicious and full of red shit. I'm going to stir she it up. She doesn't know the command to type. Yeah, to get the look, corpse to show cistern. up. No, <laughs> look. Use stick on cistern. Nothing <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah. 
You just gotta wait for a minute. Damn. Yeah. She was impatient. She had to wait for the fucking video to render. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, fucking give it a minute, Edie. God. Yeah. She walks away and then the corpse shows up. And yeah. these these ghosts are so specific in the way that they are depicted. Like this Enola ghost has its entire front of its skull missing. And or whatever or like whatever ghost has an entire front of its skull missing and there's like a whole bunch more story to that like that's the thing about these these designs like we do get the story about the mom with the thing in her head but everyone else all the other ghosts have like crazy shit going on and you're like i want to know about that and then you don't like uh-huh. it's just they killed them i guess yeah um and and Edith is so overwhelmed by this mountain of evidence that she just decides that she's going to run barefoot out into the snow. And then she's like, oh, no, that's not going to work and passes out at the bottom of the stairs. Um, yeah. Um, and and uh, Lucille finds out that Edith is the one that steals the key because she like leaves the keys. It was a pretty good Lucille move where she's like, I'm just leave these keys here. I see she puts the key back on. Oh, yep. Um, but then... Uh, Edith uses uses item cylinder on item gramophone and um, they all have like recordings of the dead wives and basically she unlocked the audio logs. Yeah, she unlocked the audio logs. She's unraveled the very short thread of this mystery um, and now finally decides to leave. Um, Although we do get the reason why the gramophone cylinders were left in that one room because the they were hidden there because you know if i was tom hiddleston i'd be like well can't have these lying around um and they are wax cylinders i mean you put them near a fire um yeah uh edith i mean lucille not one for destroying easily destroyed evidence that's Um, true books yes easily destroyed evidence not so much she's really into keeping all of this evidence it's it's her her uh rich white privilege here really starting to show she's like I can keep everything from all of my murder victims and not even really bury any of them and nobody's going to actually look into it. Yeah, and and we do see a bit of Thomas's like weird clockwork shop with all of his toys that he made where I'm like, dude is a fucking genius. Like, Yeah, wh- like, where did he learn to do all this? Right? This is crazy. Like, I did think it was going to be more like clockwork horror. Yeah. Like, that he had rigged it to be like murder house, clockwork murder house yeah maybe all this clockwork is what is keeping the house afloat or something yeah shit. like i expected i think i expected more otherworldliness to this movie about ghosts man the they're cl- really president. invested in thomas being a good guy who is just letting his sister murder his wives and like, fucking her and like yeah, he's a like, good guy that just fucks his sister um and he's having second yeah lucille is nursing edith in the creepiest way ever uh after edith is trying to leave through the snow and then thomas is now having second thoughts about the the, about it after the third murder uh or fourth maybe i don't know Um, seems like he's having first thoughts about it at this point (laughs) first thoughts about it because he actually gives a yeah and i think that's the difference it's like you know you're different than the others you're actually interested in what i'm in your you know he like they actually do have a connection like that ballroom scene in in general like there is hella continues to have between the two of them um so i think a lot of that first thoughts are actually coming from the fact that he 
he has been complacent this whole time doing what was Lucille wants. Yeah. And now he's realizing, wait, I'm going to lose something I want if I follow her, which is a very creepily object, uh, like object sort of, you know, your property type of thing instead of, you know, a person. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's still fucked up. We're, we're not making any bones about that. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, um, then I think this is where we finally find out. Yes, for sure. They fucking. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah because fucking Nola's like you're not getting it let me point you to this place and he's she's... not doing a good job being a detective so ghosts have to literally point her to the fucking he's like look over there at his dick in her this is what's happening <laughs> like, this... he's getting the vitamin d yeah um apparently you just need to see it happening to get this yeah um pics or it didn't happen um <laughs> And uh God damn yeah. Manola goes. She just put it all together and is just I want to see the movie from her point of view, just desperately trying to help right? put it together. She's just like, oh this bitch. Okay. I'm just gonna have to point. I'm just gonna have to fucking point. They're fucking now. Go there. Go look at them fucking. Turn to the left, motherfucker. They're I, fucking talking is hard being a ghost, but I can point. Creepy long fingers that you apparently ghosts get. Yeah, which is ghosts fine. Ghosts get creepy cool. fingers. Yeah, they're they're good creepy fingers. Um. Yeah. So Edith is like, "You're fucking," and yep, you're not his sister. Nope, am sister. Wait, but you're fucking. Yep. And then yep. Lucille pushes her off of the banister, like over the it's banister. Brutal. She breaks her back. Yeah, she like fucking like fucking Titanic's it down into the patch of snow on the floor, which breaks her fall. Um, But Doctor McHunky is here, and (laughs) knocks on the door. Breaks her fall after her spine should have already been shattered. Yeah. Yeah. So an interesting Uh, thought, an interesting little bit of trivia: Uh, the person who was supposed to that stunt fall wasn't there that day couldn't make it in so mia did that herself oh wow oh wow it's a great looking stunt like it yeah i remember the first time i saw it actually several the several first couple times i watched it like every single time i like yeah (laughs) it's just like oh it's a very winsible moment it is visceral (laughs) yeah um so uh whoo um and they're uh, like oh uh, the doctor's here thank goodness could you take care of her she just took a crazy fall yeah she just fell down the stairs it's very sad i'm very sad about it oh oh no i'm lucille i'm very sad thank god you're here um and then uh dr mcconkey's like i okay you're you're sedated but i'm gonna get you out of here like right now like i'm not fucking around we're gonna go now and she's like thumbs up um and he picks up her she picks her up and goes um that actually doesn't happen but um it should um and uh lucille's like thomas do a stab it's gonna be you this time you have to do the stab this time and he's like but i don't want to and um so she stabs dr mcconkey um after he's like this is who done it this is what's happening edith I figured it out, and she's like, "Cool, I I did too. I guess I'll yeah, look at they, this newspaper." You don't have a Mexican oh, standoff; they have a British standoff, which is where 
uh, a man and his incestuous sister stand off with the hunky doctor and his, you know, wayfish dying uh, girlfriend. Yes. Um, and then uh, Edith stabs him. Or not Edith. Fuck. Lucille. Lucille stabs yeah, the doctor. Lucille sort of slashes him and the doctor's like, oh no, I'm very dying. And she's like, Thomas, go finish this. And Thomas is like, cool. And then walks over and stage whispers to the doctor very loudly, I'm going to stab you, but you're a doctor, so show me where to stab you where it'll only hurt a little bit. And he's like, ah, <laughs> around here. Like, <laughs> points vaguely downwards. Um, and meanwhile, Lucille's killing the dog, which is sad. Now, I didn't know the plan was help me stab you in a place where, like, you'll still be alive. I thought it was like, my sister's fucking crazy and it's going to be really torturous if she does it. So show me where to like stab you real quick and painless. I mean, it can come I'm, both ways. Yeah, yeah, if I'm Charlie Hunnam, I hope I guess right on that count on <laughs> yeah. what she's talking about. Um, yeah, well, he also isn't like... <laughs> As an ophthalmologist, I'm an expert yeah, on like... where to stab people to not die. <laughs> He's just like, nod my eyes, man. Just don't stab yeah, my eyes. He's like, I <laughs> know I'll out to die be if you... Very important knowledge. Yes. I know I'll die if you stab me in the eye, so don't do that. From what I learned in medical school, face stabbing is going to be Thomas very that. fatal. Yeah, and so Tom Hiddleston takes him down to the basement. He's like, okay, this is how you get out. So you get out. Like, get out this way, okay? I know you're bleeding and really hurt, but... This is how you get out. Yeah, I'm going to go save uh, Edith. So you just hang out here and bleed for a little bit and I will get her down here to you. Yeah. <laughs> he goes up He goes up to interrupt this glorious monologue that Lucille is delivering. She she first burns this, this girl's book for no reason, just to be fucking spiteful. And then she delivers that this whole like- So mean. I had that in my notes too. Like that's so mean to throw away the book. Yeah, and Edith is like, you did all of this, you killed all of these people, all of this horror for money. And this is this is the line that I loved and Alicia hated, which is <laughs> which is she's like, no, no, I mean the money was for survive, but the horror, the horror was for love. The things we do so for love like this are so ugly, mad, full of sweat and regret. The love burns you and maims you and twists you inside out. It's a monstrous love and it makes monsters of us all. I was like, ah, oh, I love this. It's so uh, over the top. It's Juicy so gothic. gothic. Cheesy Fucking goodness. Sung by Andrew Eldritch. <laughs> no, all I know is that if I ever... I if I started line. committing financial fraud in order to try to revitalize my claim, i I'm definitely giving that speech to the judge. <laughs> I'll roll that dice. We'll see how many years I get. <laughs> I think I'll be acquitted on the strength of that speech, but we'll see. <laughs> Only if you're Tom Hiddleston. I mean, Lucille did it. She was all right. But um, <laughs> she and then she's like, yeah, the baby was mine. Here are my trophies. I killed your dad and uh, signed this paper. And so we get your money. And Edith is like, nah, and stabs Lucille and runs away um and uh thomas is like you have to not kill her i love her and she's like you promised you'd never love anybody but me and then stabs him directly under the eyeball 
and he well, which is like oh watching him then pull his, it out is just like yeah, the most I, I love his reaction though when she's when he's like you promise to never fall in love with anyone but me he's just like i know but shrug <laughs> ain't <laughs> i a you stinker go- <laughs> what you gonna do <laughs> i didn't mean to and then he's uh. either doesn't think to or is just psychologically incapable of fighting back and he just gets stabbed in the fucking face yeah she's like sorry stab 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 and stab and he's like wow ow i'm dead um <laughs> like actually getting stabbed hurts i shouldn't like, yeah, i shouldn't have let you do this to so many people why did he do it like right in the face it's the worst way to go through the brain like, I'm definitely dead, but ow, this hurts so much. <laughs> I mean, if I was her and I'm pissed off at his pretty little face, that's the first thing I would stab. Yeah. Honestly. Like, I would never stab, um, I would never do a stab. That would go person. through the cheekbone. Like, that takes a lot. Yeah. Well, she, like, she, yeah, she would, like, right in between, like, under the jaw. I mean, if there was some part of the face of Tom Hiddleston's face that I'd be mad at the most, it'd probably be the cheekbones. Yeah. So I, I'm with her there. That's um, fair. You know, this is all a hypothetical. Yeah, they're very easy to find so that you can avoid them. Just slip it right in around the very obvious cheekbones. <laughs> um, and then he dies. He dies. And there's and... moths everywhere. Yeah. And then yeah. Lucille goes crazy. Or like... Lucille does the drama chase through the house with many (laughs) sharp weapons and a hundred feet of flowing robes. Yeah, Yeah. she's like covered in her her (laughs) fuckboy brother's blood and she's like "Ah, ah, ah," and she's like crying and she's got the knife and the flowy shit and and Edith's like fuck my shit ain't nowhere near as flowy as her shit. I'm oh god. Um, and she goes down in the basement and meanwhile hunky is still down there like uh ow <laughs> still here i love how little use he is in this climax <laughs> he just literally sits in the basement and bleeds for the climax of this story just <laughs> just mvp charlie hunnam Way to sit there and bleed like a motherfucking sham yeah she's like <laughs> she's like i'm gonna do this thing and he's like cool thanks i guess we forgot to mention that before she, before Edith runs away, she uses her her special pen that her dad gave her to fucking jab right into uh, Lucille's chest uh, as yep. she goes. Yeah, so oh, like, yeah. Lucille has been stabbed and is still perfectly fine to chase people through the house. Uh, oh, McNair, yeah. Yeah, uh, the doctor has been stabbed and is out for the game. Well, he's been stabbed like i feel like lucille was stabbed it's it was very like uh superficial like up in the chest and she probably has all of her fucking pectoral muscles from lifting up people and killing them (laughs) on fucking sinks and shit or like you know out like she's bleeding but she's just like fuck it let's go and then the the part that gets me is where edith is in the in the um the fucked up elevator and Lucille's like trying to stab her and is like fucking Velociraptor, like shank, 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 shank. And um, Edith shank, shank. Shank, shank, shank. Yeah, slams the door to that elevator shank, on shank, her shank. arm like a half dozen times. Yeah, she slams the door on the uh, on her arm, cuts her fingers up with her knife. And fucking Lucille ain't doing, she ain't moving. She's just like, I am here. 
I am going to kill you. I am. Who's I am not going to react to the being cut on that. the knuckles. Which, oh. And then oh, she so decides painful. that she's gonna like they're going up, and you can see Lucille just like running up all those stairs, and like that's a lot of fucking right. And somehow she's not tripping. Somehow she's <laughs> like she's just yeah. With with every sheet in the house tied behind her, she's still running downstairs. <laughs> yeah, much. like I kept slowing. expecting her to fall and trip on her own robes. Uh, but... Nah, she just uh, keeps going. So at that point, that's when they go outside. Well, they, yeah, they go so... down to the basement and uh, and Edith ineffectually hides behind one of the cisterns and then runs up the uh, steam contraption that's sticking down in the basement. And then Lucille follows her and turns on the steam contraption and and proceeds to like Samurai Showdown run back, back and forth behind her through the snow to uh, keep trying to stab her. and uh, true pioneer of Naruto running. <laughs> yeah, she's just like... <laughs> now, listen. I just want everybody to know something very important. Naruto came out before this film. <laughs> and Guillermo del Toro is a huge <laughs> fucking weeb. So he would know what he is. He, was he knows exactly what he is doing. He taught her to Naruto run. He was like, okay, 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 what we're going to do. Because apparently this is what he sounds like, because I'm not going to do a bad Spanish accent. Okay, so you're going to put your light. Okay, so the Uchiba clan, right? <laughs> you have the Sharingan eye. It's very important. <laughs> and, was anyone uh, expecting the big outdoor scene at the climax? Given the name Crimson Peak, who be more of like these dark reds and whites? Yeah, I was thinking there was going to be more crimson in the peak of the film. It was a pretty yeah. white. It was a pretty white peak. It was, but it was white. also in the middle of a blizzard, and not just so, and not yeah. just the cast. Yeah. I mean, no, it's that that's a valid point and a valid curve. I was expecting. There to be more aesthetics with the crimson. I was expecting the steam shovel to have something to do with their final fight, other than just being noisy. I was expecting the ghosts to show up in a meaningful way and and do something Poe-like to you know drag her to hell or whatever. Um, I was expecting some sort of conclusion. And I, what I we get like is like doesn't really start dropping the ball until you get to these final like this final climax mm. like it's yeah. like i feel like it's not like it up until these final moments until like the last like 15 or so minutes it's like there's still everything you need for a relatively solid good movie here if it can stick the landing and it doesn't really stick the landing as like satisfying the, as those shovel bonks are and they're yeah. very satisfying I, th I think we said earlier the twist is that there's no twist like <laughs> she, you know she fucking runs up on uh on edith and is about to stab her and she's like Edith's like you're all alone and lucille's like i'm not look behind you yeah oh and, my god it's <laughs> like there's the ghost of your brother standing behind you Still sexy and dead, not like goopy and falling apart and dead. Like, was you know, just blood coming out like a tear out of this one spot under his I eye. I like that was some sexy ghost action, like the blood coming out of the face wound. Yeah. Did anyone else think that there was maybe a chance that there was no ghost at all? And this was a classic, like, look over there, Aha, I made you look. <laughs> Shovel whack. I think, yeah, well, I think it was also like. 
I was expecting her to think that he was alive and then he wasn't and then just get beamed on the head. I'm glad that he was there just because I'm like, cool, sexy ghost. And, you know, uh, we got to see that. That was that was cool, I guess. I it, did like the effects on the ghost a lot where it wasn't kind of like the class ghost translucent, but felt a lot more like shimmering in and out of a reality. It felt a little bit like seeing Pepper's ghost on sand. Yeah, there, well, there was a bit of that. I think that effect was used in the Devil's Backbone mm. uh, as well, mm. where with the Ghost Boy and that, because um, he also had like the the kind of streaming stuff, like particle stream coming out of his of his wound. Yeah. Um, um. So what is? Sorry, I forget what the uh, climactic line is here, because uh, Lucille says something. Lucille says like I won't stop until I kill you or you kill me. Yeah, and, and then, then she like keeps repeating it, and Edith just bonks her on the head again, like a fucking whack a mole. And I see <laughs> her the fucking action. shovel, and she says it again. She says, "I won't, I won't stop until I kill you or you kill me." And Edith hits her again and says, "I heard you the first time." <laughs> yeah, just, just like just the old bonk and a one liner. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then Edith goes goes to save Honky Guy, and they walk off into the snow together. And the villagers are there to save them. Yeah, and and then I feel like the villagers came in to save them because they like did an original, either cut of the scene or the script, and someone's like, "Wait, isn't it four and a half hours?" And they're super poisoned and wounded, and it's a snowstorm. They're definitely gonna die if they walk out. And there's yeah. like, ah. Uh, and then the villagers were there to help because <laughs> I think that part of it might have been the fact that the villagers, like, uh, I mean, handsome Mick, whatever his name is, Michael. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he told them to come out to follow after him. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that was rides up on a up. horse and he's like, I need to know where the castle is. And the guy's like, You're gonna fucking kill that horse trying to get to the castle. And he's like, Fine, <laughs> give me a new horse. And the guy's like, We are closed. Sorry. <laughs> we're out of horses. And McMichael's like, uh, I guess I'll walk to the place. The guy's like, good fucking luck. And closes the gate up. Yeah. And then I guess afterwards, somebody was like, John, that was kind of a dick move. He's like, yeah, Jesus, the doctor's going to die. All right. Well, I was just so surprised. Stuff up. Let's go save him. He was like, follow me as soon as the storm clears. And they're like, yeah, okay, sure thing, buddy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you actually followed him? Why? I think they were just curious as to what happened. They were like, obviously something's going down at Castle Gross Out, so we gotta go check it out. <laughs> They're on a mountain. They heard the shovel bonk. Yeah, they were the like, oh. well, or one of the ghosts was like, I'm a plot device. Just fucking please, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I like to get their all, all drinking. All this work They're we like, did. Oh, Oi, someone's having themselves a good shovel bout. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got to see who, who won the shovel battle. Um, Wait, is he going after that guy that was fucking in our delivery room last week? Let's find out more about that. Are they fucking? <laughs> Everyone's fucking everybody in that castle. I don't know. Should we arrest anyone? Do we have cops in this world? I don't think we do. I think they were, they straight up came with torches. They were like, Oh, I bet that vampires or something. There's everything's red, never out in the sunshine. Tom I wish there had been a pitchfork. Vampires, what is this? I mean, like, if this castle won't sink, we're here to fucking finish the job ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also, we find out that Lucille is eternally stuck playing the piano in this house, just, which doesn't collapse. She's the non-collapsing house because love, I guess. 
I was hoping we'd get to see Ghost Doggy for like a little bit of levity. I don't know if like, that Ghost yeah, Dog wants to hang out with the person that killed no, him. No, he doesn't. Ghost Dog wants to go to Ghost Dog, Gavin. Yeah. Ghost Dog. Ghost Dog so, goes and pisses on her corpse every few days. Yeah. <laughs> no, Ghost Dog now belongs to Ghost Tom Hiddleston because he's Jack Skellington now. And the ghost is zero. And so. Names him Zero. Yeah. I know that so, Zero is a pappy. Yeah. And then they Man, go. Man, I never thought of Jack Skellington as fucking his sister so much. <laughs> well, that makes the whole relationship with Sally really weird, right? The whole relationship with Sa- whole- Sally's whole deal is already pretty weird. I mean, she's okay, That's but like, true. wait, have you guys done Nightmare Before Christmas? No, no we have no. not. Bruh, that's got to be a special one. Yeah, that's got to yeah. be a special one. Bring me on uh, it, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean. She is a hot topic Frankenstein, but you know, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Crimson Peak in all its. Oh, there's some box at the end, and it turns out that uh, Edith wrote a book called Crimson Peak, and that's what the story is. So maybe oh, we have an unreliable narrator. Oh, that's true, too. I don't sure. think that's the case. I mean, we can, we can think so. Maybe there were no ghosts the whole time. She just added the ghosts because they're a metaphor. I mean, that's um, the first thing she says in the story is ghosts are real. That's as, as far as important. I know, she says. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to cast dispersion. So let's look at our uh, questions here. How does this movie deal with race, guys? Oh, it's it, awful. Just the characters of color. We don't need the characters of color there to be servants. I mean, yes, it is the 19th century. And, you know, at least they're not like super cartoon characters. Like they could definitely be worse. I mean, we brought up jim beaver speeches and oof yeah Yeah. i mean that with race and class being kind of folded in with each other yeah this movie like we get something where like edith talk like talks about anti-nobility but hey what is a baronet that sounds like a made-up title that sounds like about being a parasite and then a parrot like a parasite i don't know she goes towards a parasite i don't know i mean like yay anti-nobility but also, it seems pretty pro-corporate oligarchy. Yeah. Anti-nobility, unless they're hot. Yeah, unless they got a great Jim Beaver beard. Or they're <laughs> Tom Hiddleston. Like, they got a great Jim Beaver. <clears throat> the movie, no, like race and class in this movie, there's very little I'd call progressive. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it was, it tried at one point, but it just fucking fell over. Because mm. it was like, the the old nobility are weird and bad and then but then like the, the, the new nobility are good the weird america jingoism did yes. nothing for me especially yeah. weird I'm coming sorry. from a director who's not from america yeah, yeah. it's like you should know better, like how demo. how seriously do do you mean this it, it's there's not at no point does anybody shut that down um so i i don't know man it's so weird weirdly it's a weirdly politically oblivious kind of movie from the guy that did pan's labyrinth yeah 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 i mean backbone had some of that too so yeah like i mean i guess it's it's all unfolded with the with the gothic romance tropes so i mean i mean much like mcmichaels mrs mcmichaels tried to uh express mm-hmm. the movie stays in its lane mm-hmm. um maybe to its detriment yeah it's its lane is one lane and goes off of a cliff but it stays on it <laughs> yeah so uh, definitely to its detriment 
Yeah, so uh, guys, what do, what do we think about the LGBTQIA people and themes in this movie? Tom Hiddleston's butt's really, really nice. I like the gays. <laughs> Is that queer themes? Tom Hiddleston. It's not not queer themes. Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston's butt is queer themes. <laughs> at the very queer least, representation. it's a, Yeah, at the very least, it's a <laughs> queer gift. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, this movie. This movie has no queerness. Uh, has incest. That's bad. That's, That's bad. super bad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's painfully straight enough that, you know, this girl is so, is so fucking colorblind to the flags everywhere because this dude is hot. Oh, um, hang on. Remember how you were saying colorblind and the guy, uh, doctor, you know, doctor hot guy was saying that one of his patients was blind to red and green. Yeah. And, and he and, just can't see the red flags. Yeah. There he was talking about himself. <laughs> it was the metaphor. He was a self-insert character in his short story. Look, That's the similes were metaphors. She couldn't do any of the, um, like, when there was the crimson <laughs> ring and the crimson dress and all the crimson ghosts and the red everywhere. <laughs> and that's why he needed to say Crimson Peak for her, for her to be like, oh, um, oh <laughs> because we couldn't see the red. So maybe there, this movie does have something to say about um, people with disabilities. In a way, I think there is some talk about some sort of disability in the fact that Edith, towards the end, using a wheelchair, um, as somebody who actually has chronic pews and I have to use, like, I don't use a wheelchair unless I absolutely really, 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 really have to when I'm going to the hospital, but... Um, I still use a cane. I still use stairs where I have to like grip the sides and there's places that just aren't built for that. And obviously, you know, Adderdale Hall was not built with the idea of somebody having a disability at all. And I think that's one of the, we see one of the ghosts, one of the first ones I actually dragging herself forward. And then the fact that one of the wheelchair, the wheelchair that is there was actually asked why. So to me, that says something like homegirl was trapped. Like, where the hell would she go? Yeah. Yeah. The only accommodation they made was the death elevator. Yeah. I'd really love to make that change, though, that if she was red, green, colorblind and all and she literally couldn't see that all of these red things were red. And she's like, avoid Crimson Peak. It's like. Fucking, you have no idea how unhelpful that is. <laughs> What's crimson? What's crimson? I don't know what that means. Oh, I'm sure she knows it's literate, but um, yeah, you know, the, yeah I, I was thinking about the, the, the wheelchair thing because one of the wives, I think the one who was interested in the gramophone technology was uh, wheelchair bound, but I'm not, you know, that also could be like the picture was taken after she was poisoned a bunch because obviously the poison was like debilitating enough that it would need the wheelchair. Yeah. If so, Lucille is allowing a painting to be done, I feel like it has to be like after the wheelchair so Lucille can be like, yeah, look at that painting. You're all poisoned. Poisoned you. <laughs> it was a photograph, but yeah, it was a photograph. The the painting of the mother looking horrible, I thought was pretty great. Where they're like, "Wow, it's she looks um bad, <laughs> yeah, bad." I was yeah, and Lucille's like, "It's a very accurate likeness." Yeah, <laughs> that was fantastic. Oh yeah. my god, I love that scene. I do that was one say. of the most British things that happened in this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. There's some pretty great aggressively British things in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) If Lucille wasn't crazy, she would have been the fantastic Dowager Countess. Like, she would have been the fucking awesomest matriarch. Um, Because she was handy. I mean, and and speaking of with a cleaver, handy with a cleaver. Handy with a lot of stuff. Speaking of crazy, as we're talking about disability, I do feel like there's not any real effort made to address her mental state as anything other than like, ooh, spooky gothic crazy. Like, (laughs) oh, she killed people. Ooh, she bad. I feel that. It's like they mention an asylum or a mental hospital, but it's still in that very like, ooh, 19th century gothy crazy spooky. Yeah, it yeah. was very much not like we're, we we have an adequate understanding of mental illness in any capacity. Um, I do think that there's a interesting sort of thematic element in that, you know, you in that scene with the painting of uh, the mother, like Lucille is there talking about the trauma that she went through because of mm-hmm. and the trauma that Thomas went. And then that pattern is continuing until Edith comes along and basically stop to so I yeah, think there we, is we find something out that her mother there. was also traumatized by their father. Yeah. yeah. So it was uh, interesting that that play on generational trauma and how you sort of you know break that cycle. Yeah. Um, hit it with a shovel. I mean, and I think you hit it with a shovel. <laughs> shovel. <laughs> yeah, you break it in the face. <laughs> Double tap to be sure. Um, Just yeah. Just a regular shovel, though, not the essential to the plot steam shovel. Yeah. Ugh. Well, bank on effort, not privilege. You right. got to do it yourself. Start in the gutter, and then you can hire steam shovels and people of color to work for you. To kill people. To kill people. Yeah. Uh, hey, guys, do we think this movie's feminist? I actually do, personally. Somewhat. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, the, the, there are definitely feminist steps. The sex scene in particular, mm-hmm. and the fact that the characters with the most, <clears throat> most agency are Lucille and Edith. Now, Edith yeah. makes a lot of bad decisions. Um, I feel like Lucille and her decisiveness and her like effectiveness and being like the mastermind behind the whole plan um, and being the fucking scariest one I think is um, a, a relatively feminist choice. Um, Edith herself, like she, she is depicted as like the butterfly where you have the butterfly is Edith and, and Lucille is the moth and the moth eats the butterfly, which is not a thing. But um, it was more interesting to me than like a jealousy thing because Edith was very accepting of Lucille uh, painfully accepting of Lucille and all the fucked up shit that was going on. Yeah, she um, tried. Homegirl tried. Yeah, and like I know that there's this whole thing of like don't judge a book by its cover, um, and you know that's a big like a, like especially um, contemporary narrative. Like there's always you know don't judge by the the you know what what you see initially, and that's like a huge element of um, like interesting narrative. But in this case, everybody was right about this book. Um, and Edith was the only one who was giving it the benefit of the doubt, which it did not deserve. Yeah. So I don't quite know how to unpack that element in terms of Edith giving everybody the benefit of the doubt. Because she also talks about how she wants her eyes to be open instead of closed. But then she also is like, she's, she's not dumb. Yeah. 
but she also just she just makes bad decisions and she's like okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with it because it's what i got you know i don't know if it's making bad decisions for the sake of bad this or like this is what i have so much as the whole you know i'm making these decisions for the best of my the marriage that i just started i want you know and then you also have to think about when we come back into class especially within the context of what's going on like if edith gets divorced like that's not gonna look good um, for her so that fucks over her prospects and then at this point the if i remember right i'm trying to remember if u.s law or british law would be the thing here but we don't know like i can't remember exactly when it was but edith isn't necessarily well no because she would have been granted it in order to um that's why they married her because she would have gotten she would have to sign over all of the uh money over to thomas yeah and that, okay. that was what they were trying to do. so that means if they were signing over the money to thomas the money wasn't really hers it was going to go to Thomas instead. Yeah, but she had to sign over her estate um, yeah. with the approval of the solicitor. So she still had some agency there. Yeah, she did. But otherwise, they wouldn't have gone through all the trouble of taking. Yeah, but the, I think that, uh, I mean, it's a good point because um, it's it's good to point out that like the bad decisions that she makes are not so much after she gets groomed because yeah. she's groomed. You know, yeah. she's been groomed. She's been gaslit she has a limited capacity to to control and uh, deliberately her her capacity has been limited um but initially when she's like i guess i'll fall for this guy that everybody hates and go for him that's the that's the initial bad decision on her part um and you know and then he he like grooms her and and lucille he and lucille are, are like straight up manipulating her and fucking poisoning her and shit so um yeah the 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 decision that she made to like i want to fuck tom hiddleston while understandable because it's tom hiddleston is fraught with all of these really really problematic things that i feel like aren't really given enough thought in the in the opening act of the film i can totally see that and agree with that so that's Um. big big points against the feminism i guess but like the fact that she kind of goes through it you know, the, the arc that she completes, I think, is a little bit more, you know, brings it, kind of balances it out, I think. And I guess also the thing that I come back to is that, each, like, every single is pushed forward by a woman, of yeah. whether it's a ghost or someone living, like, you know, the detecting and all that sort of stuff is literally dead women trying to help living women to get out of there, like, those ghosts weren't fuck you we hate you they were saying get the fuck out they were protecting yeah. her so it was again this whole idea of women, which i kind of love yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think even edith's bad decisions are motivated by her by you know yeah. her her internal uh you know opting for adventure and romance and um you know those sorts of things rather than staying in a glamorous life in buffalo with her ophthalmologist uh husband and you know choosing instead to go live in a spooky haunted castle with uh with her her spooky sexy british uh baronet right yeah. definitely you know, those, those are all her title will be is it baronet baronetess no she's a baron she would be a baroness yeah 
So I think a baronet is like a very small baron. Yeah, I think it's a baronet considered. I think it's like a baron, but like woodwind. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess another thing that, that makes it very feminist to me personally is that when you read a lot of the gothic genre, there is this weird thing where the woman is always the damsel in distress. Like the part that hunky McDoctor guy plays is literally the part in many cases that women end up playing yeah in these in these books and it's it's a weird thing because on one hand a lot of gothic literature is actually written by women yeah so uh but at the same time uh you also have to take into the time frame which in a lot of the original together so finding you're you're um really picking something up here because in the beginning where she's talking about the story that she's writing with the ghosts and it's a story with a ghost mm-hmm. and then the uh, publisher says make it a love story and that is literally what much of gothic uh literature that sort of love story inserted in fantastic and terror oriented setting yeah um, she's and, and it's interesting too because then she's like she does make this a love story but then it becomes like fucking horrible and then she doesn't end up with tom hiddleston at the end like she ends up with the the hunky mcdoctor face who i don't like we don't know if they go on to do anything or whatever but she does write her book you know so it's this 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 gothic romance that doesn't end with you know the guy getting the girl yes you know it's not a it's not the comedy in that way it is it is very much tragic um and you know in in the vein of a lot of these gothic stories but um yeah. the uh the fact and she she does reject him at the end where you know he's like trust me i'm i'm gonna trust me one last time and she's like doesn't really do much she's like fuck you i'm gonna i'm gonna you know try to yeah. stab you and uh you know she sees this ghost and she's like well that sucks you're dead and it's sort of a tender moment but it still sucks he's dead you know um whether or not he was a shitty person he's dead he is dead now anything about it i was gonna say one other thing that i noticed a lot when it comes to gothic there are a lot of issues with the genre as a whole that are very valid um but at the same time one bothers the gothic is that so much of it is so women-centric so much of it is so is like created by women Mm -hmm. um or talks about you know women's issues or even in many cases, uh, LGBTQ issues, like it's like people say, well, it's not as good. It's sort of like this very female oriented idea of what horror can be is not as good as these other things. And I don't know if it's just dismissal over the fact that, okay, women wrote this and it's often, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it's something that does bother me. And I haven't quite put of, you know, if it's, if that's accurate or not. Um, so, um, but I mean, just thinking about like, okay, the, um, and most recently Netflix did the Bly Manor, uh, series, which definitely had like, was it as, I don't know, like for some people they'll say like, you know, it wasn't as scary, it was interesting. And, you know, I wasn't really into like the love story and it's sort of like, in that case, you're mad about it being a love story and not a horror in mm-hmm. the traditional way that you expect it to. And that's something that I'm still trying to process. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I think that there's a lot of, um, I mean, there's there's a lot of more kind of subtle narrative, you know, when you have a lot of these, a lot of these horror movies that are kind of a vibe, like we talked about The Hunger, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that movie is a vibe and it's, it doesn't really say much. Um, and, you know, I don't think it, it is terribly successful and it's, it's sort of subversion of regular storytelling. <laughs> but, yeah. um, and I think this movie does a little bit, does actually quite a bit more than The Hunger did um in terms of you know the the but i also in terms of like telling a a, telling a story but i feel like this movie could have been more decisive in the the things it would subvert um i absolutely agree yeah and and i I think think, a lot of that has on the writing team i don't think he actually had one because he wrote this literally after pan's labyrinth yeah then got sucked into other things and i'm not sure there was a single one on that he he talked to about this yeah um and i guess as far as credits it's only him and matthew robbins yeah so i mean for me that's one of the the things that a lot of you have the gothic horror genre like one of the first films that he watched when he was four years old was the fall of the house of usher like that was when he saw why he was four and saw that i don't know but (laughs) like that's one that he really is still a influence on him today but at the same time like there's it's so weird to me that an entire genre that was largely pinned and created and then brought into public pop culture by women these films that are created about them or films that are adapted adapted from those works rarely have women or within yeah and i think that shows a product absolutely (laughs) (laughs) what i said okay i'll get off my soapbox no it's okay that's no i i that is absolutely a great point. And I think I think this movie could have benefited from more hands and eyes on that script because mm-hmm. I mean, not not only the love story sections of it sometimes being a bit lacking, but the the ending just feels so flat. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we don't we don't get a, a real ending. And I, I do feel like I do feel like this incestuous relationship between the brother and sister is treated very much like on level with this other relationship, um, just creepy. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know why it's so incesty. Well, I mean, if you're going to talk about horror, maybe that's part of the point. The part, like, I mean, when you're talking about the original book, uh, what's uh, the House of Ultranado or whatever it was, <laughs> like that one did have a heavy implication. Maybe that's part. I would of have why. been fine with heavy implication. <laughs> yeah, I would have been fine that's with it true. not existing. Just that the incest part of it would have been. Well. We would have. We could have done just fine with her just being a murderous, overprotective sister rather than a literally, um, you know, incestuous sister. I don't. I think that's a plot device that I'm. I'm fine with. Uh, leaving yeah, in the I past. Can, I can agree with that. I wish it would kind of go away. It's not my <laughs> for uh, sure. It's I, awful. I do want to say I did uh, look it up, and the female equivalent of a baronet is in fact a baronetess. Oh, um, a there are currently there are currently no bar- living baronetesses, but it is a thing baronet. that has happened. Um, baronet being the uh, apparently the lowest form of British peerage. Yeah. All right. So, do we think this movie was worth seeing? Pretty. It is literally worth seeing. Like, (laughs) perceiving with one's eyes. It is very pretty. Um, I am not mad that I saw this movie, but it is like 
of a class of movie we've discussed on here before, which is like, ah, man, this could have been a great movie. Instead, it's kind of an okay movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's not making any Guillermo del Toro best of lists, but yeah, sure was a pretty movie that I didn't mind watching. (laughs) In a much lesser way, I feel like it's, has a lot of the same problems as Don't Breathe did when we talked about that, that like the first two acts are like, wow, this is really well made. Like this person really knows what they're doing. They know their way around a camera. This is very pretty. And then once you start getting into the the twists in the final act, you're like, oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> it's like this is the part where the scary bit has to come in. So go hog wild. <laughs> yeah. Don't go hog wild. Mm-mm. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think generally overall, uh, yeah, we're, we're taking a look at it's not not top of the list, but it's far from the bottom of the list. Yeah. Um, and one of those things that keeps it from the bottom of the list is Tom Hiddleston's bottom. Yeah, so, on the list of yeah, bottoms, yeah, his bottom it. is not at the bottom. He's Very at good. the top of the bottom. He's at the his top of asses. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what other asses we see. It's Tim and in- Hellboy, right? Um. We see Hellboy's ass. I don't know. He's got a tail. No Probably right. Well, I mean, we wait, did Gilmer do, sh- do Shape of Water? Yes, yes. he did. So oh, we okay. saw that that fish. We saw Jug Jones's fish butt. Okay, that was all right. Not <laughs> a butt or a tail at that point. It's um both. Both. I mean. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's talk recommendations. <laughs> if people enjoyed this uh, or are looking for something like or maybe slightly better than this that uh, they might enjoy. Uh, Carrie, do you have anything you would recommend to people to check out? I would definitely suggest checking out Rebecca. Um, there's a first created for, I actually rewatched it. Um, and then you can always watch uh, the Dracula that uh, Bram Stoker's, the, is the Devil's Bad, what was the other one? Devil's Backbone? Yes, Devil's Backbone. The Guillermo del Toro, Devil's Backbone? Yes. And then uh, the and you're thinking of Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula? The one with... Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah okay. that's Coppola. Okay, I'm not very good at names, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Dracula movies out there. I just want to make sure people have the right one. Uh, Emily, what have you got? Um, I would also... I, I'd second many of those, um, if not all. Um, also, the original Dracula, Fall of the House of... Or, excuse me, House of Usher. Fall of the House of Adaptation. Ursher? I don't know. Ursher. Uh, House of Usher with Vincent Price. Please, please go watch. Watch now. Um, the Haunting. The, there are various uh, adaptations of The Haunting of Hill House, which I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. One from 1999 is very aesthetic. It's weird. It's the same veins. Really. Yeah, it's very same in the, in the fact that it's aesthetic. Although this one has Owen Wilson in it. Um, before he was a thing, so he doesn't really headline. Um, wow. Um, definitely, uh, Del- or not, well, Devil's Backbone, but um, Pan's Labyrinth, which is, yes. uh, has a strong female protagonist and like an actual strong female, you know, the young girl protagonist and in like very effective political commentary. Absolutely and, heartbreaking movie too. Yeah, mm. very, very good effective film. Um, and uh, there's um, a few books that I would recommend, um, one being Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Um, that is a really cool kind of gothic, there's some romance, but it's mostly just a, um, a 
chronicle of magic in England. Um, and it, there's a pretty cool uh, adaptation miniseries of that as well that's available. It's very much like this movie, but with less color. Hmm. Um, and there's cool shit. There's like fairies and stuff. Um, and actual decent like representation of people of color. Um, there are the Gorman Gas novels um, and the Lockwood and Company novels. The Lockwood and Company novels are by Jonathan Stroud. They're, they're um, young adult uh novels pretty cool also about ghosts um and uh cool um female protagonist in those um and then there's a really interesting manga series that i would recommend if you're looking for something that's not so much romantic but it's about connection and gothic stuff and it is called the girl from the other side um uh, if I could go back really quick, first of all, the girl from the other side I haven't heard of. And, um, <laughs> out. The other, uh, I didn't realize that books were part of this, so I would also like to put um, a call out for Mexican Gothic. Yes, um, such a good book. Oh my gosh! Um, and if you like mushrooms, you're gonna love this. <laughs> 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 so definitely read it. Um, and it's really interesting to actually not see but read a book uh that is from um it's just sort of this latinx take of like how this works out um within that context and it's just so freaking cool um so definitely check that out i think we've definitely Mm -hmm. had that one recommended on here before yeah that one is um actually written that's an old boy remember correct yeah uh ben Ben, what have you got I would recommend The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix for some haunted house goodness. And then for some real uh, great gothic horrorness uh, that is a lot better on queer and minority representation, uh, go pick up Dead Man, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love from DC Comics by Sarah Vaughn and Lan Medina. Nice. Um, as for me, I, I, I was feeling salty when I got to the end of this, trying to figure out recommendations. Because uh, my, my first recommendation is, is just fucking read Jane Eyre, I guess. Um, <laughs> because, True. Because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of Jane Eyre DNA in this, which Jane Eyre shares a lot of D- DNA with Bluebeard. Um, so like, there's a lot of that in there. I, <laughs> which I followed up by, you know what? I like Wuthering Heights a lot better. Um, I do, I do love Wuthering Heights as far as, uh, you know, stories like this that also contain a character, uh, who is like, fuck all of you. I'm doing this how I want to, uh, Heathcliff is, uh, quite a character. Um, I, I enjoy having a, a romance story with a real, real super villain in it. Um, he's fantastic. I would also recommend, uh, if you're talking about actors, we have also uh, recommended before Only Lovers Left Alive, which has the same uh, main two, Mia Wazkowska and uh, Tom Hiddleston in this Jim Jaramusch joint. Um, Be warned, if you felt like this movie was slow, Jim Jaramusch movies move at a glacial pace often. Um, So, you know, be prepared for that. Also, sort of in the topic of... uh, alternate history horror stuff uh i'm actually right dead in the middle of reading uh justina ireland's dread nation right now uh which i really enjoy it's much more sort of alternate american history it's about uh sort of in the middle of the civil war uh 
all the dead start rising and uh, taking over. And it, it takes place a few years after this as uh, sort of the, the main character is in a uh, school for um, young Negro girls learning to uh, fight zombies as basically uh, handmaids to white ladies in this time. Um, it's uh, it's a really interesting book and with a really uh, great voice and a, a good grasp on sort of the time and uh, both the the zombie stuff and the history stuff uh, comes together really well. Um, so I haven't finished it yet, so who knows? The ending may bomb, but I don't think it's going to. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and, you know, we've had Justina Ireland on here before. She is fantastic. Great writer. Um, all right, that's the last I have. So before we wrap this up, let's let people know where they can find you online. Carrie, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on... Uh, sorry, um... It's not Imager, it's Instagram. Instagram. There we go. You can find me on Instagram at Mermaid Shells, and you can find me on Twitter at Instagram uh, at Mermaid Shells. Um, and I work on a pretty cool comic called Kamikaze. Follow that.com. Read it on Tapas. All of it is for free. And um, you can follow us on Twitter at Kamikaze. Awesome. And Emily, where can people find you online? Um, Megamoth on twitter uh megamoth on tumblr and patreon uh patreon.com slash meg um and uh, mega underscore moth on instagram megamoth.net on the internet um and uh, i'm also on tiktok but i don't have anything on there so you'll hear about it later all right and uh ben what about you uh you can find me on twitter at at ben the con and find links to my comics at benconcomics.com or at comicsology and uh yeah catch me here every friday for new episodes of progressively horrified awesome and as for me i am on twitter and instagram at jrome58 that's j-r-o-m-e-5-8 i'm on the internet at jeremywhitley.com and you can order my uh, upcoming graphic novel uh school for extraterrestrial girls book two which is uh coming out this fall uh from paper cuts right now online um so, so go check that out along with all of my previous catalog of Princeless and Raven the Pirate Princess and Unstoppable Wasp and all those other things that I've written. Um, the show itself is uh, Progressively Horrified is on Patreon at patreon.com slash progressively horrified on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod and our website is progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. Please come join us there. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review and uh, help others find this fine program if you're enjoying it. I do want to thank so much everybody for joining us, and especially Carrie, thank you for coming and uh, being on the show. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. It's been wonderful talking about gothic, romance, gothic, horror um, with people who are actually interested in this stuff. <laughs> so I'm Heck not yeah. just boring other people with it. <laughs> oh, no, I, I love it. This is awesome. Yeah, we Thank would all so be boring somebody time. else if it weren't for each other. Yeah, and thanks as always to Emily and Ben for joining me. It is always a pleasure to have you guys. And uh, I want to thank all of you all for listening. Uh, j- please join us next week when we will be talking again about more scary movies. Until next time, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode features Jeremy Whitley, Emily Martin, 
Ben Kahn, and Carrie Tepper. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support for us on support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod or by emailing us at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs>